Today's episode of Slot Shot Podcast is brought to you by Prilosec OTC. Did you experiment with daily hot sauce use as a teenager and become an everyday user? Us too. Where immediate relief heartburn solutions are a reactive approach. Get proactive, attacking your acid indigestion discomfort and joining a team, a winning team. My team, Team Prilosec OTC, the once a day heartburn prevention program. Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast. We're back in studio with the boys. Another exciting week. The All-Star break is upon us as this episode will drop as the NHL officially hits its freeze after the three games complete tonight on this Wednesday. Uh, but boys, some exciting stuff, some some rumors, um, a lot of things to cover, but let's get into, uh, let's get into our little, our, uh, how are you? How are you? Armor, how are you? Uh, it's been not the best week. Lions blow, just blow the game entirely. It was pretty electric while it was going on, you know, watching with Ross, some of the other kids from the hockey team. And, you know, we were dancing and having, it was kind of a party for a while, and I had a lot of fun. And then they, they just, like, I mean, the way I've put it to my friends is there was 10 plays that could have gone either way, and they all went the wrong way because the Lions just didn't execute. And, you know, that's why you lose to a team like the 49ers. But, uh... Pretty awesome season. The worst part, though, is hockey with just one of the most brutal schedules following this up. So there's nothing to really describe, distract myself except for, like, work. But I was, you know, still thinking about, like, what could have been. Then in two weeks we could have been playing in the Super Bowl. But um, How much of a shell have you gone into around Lions coverage? <laughs> like, have you been, have you been like, like sucking up? Like, like, have you just been licking your own tears and, like, listening to all of your, like, Lions content? Or? So I've been listening to a lot the day after I didn't. But then Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, decides to come back, uh, presumably turning down some head coaching offers. So that was some good news. But I still have not gathered up the, the, the might to face those highlights. Um, because the first half is going to be so beautiful, and I'm just going to be like, why couldn't we just close this shit out so I could really? Because I would, if they had won, I would have watched the highlights hey, about thirty times. You can, I mean, that was an all-time stretch of ten minutes of football and just pissing away. It had uh, to the Super Bowl. Had yeah. Frank the Tank saying they're the Super Bowl uh, winners of this year. He thought that that he'd seen enough. But sorry about your Lions arm. I mean, sorry. they look like the best team in football for the first half of that game. They looked unstoppable. Um, so, you know, it happens. I'm a Lions fan, so, like, this is probably the toughest loss given how close we were and how much of a miracle season. But at the same time, I mean, it's kind of what being a Lions fan's about. And it'll make, it'll make when we get there even sweeter. At least the dojo's rocking as of late. It's yeah, the wins are good. You know, I'm not in a sports dead zone, which is typically, yep. like... It's a soft week, but it's a good, it's good timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, Rusty, on my left. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing well. Right? I'm doing well, boys. Um, you know, not not too 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 much to add. Um, good things. I I I mean, I I enjoyed I enjoyed Championship Sunday. Um, some exciting football. Marmy mentioned it. Um, obviously, that was an unfortunate break for the Lions. Um, couple couple big bets hit, and so uh, cashing out this week, which is pretty good. Got a decent little decent little chunk to. 
ponder on over the next stretch. I don't know. I, I, I might. I might just sit out the Super Bowl. Like I, I, betting on the Super Bowl, I think is so overrated. It's such like a. You don't want to bet on the proposal. What's the proposal? You could bet on Travis Kelsey proposing. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I think it's like a one fifty for the yes. You gotta bet national anthem over under. See, maybe like the best bet. Of the I, I just Do feel like I, I singing it. No, this is classic Rusty Hates Fun. Like, this is a classic Rusty Hates Fun rant, but, like, I think betting on the Super Bowl is, like, it's like the New Year's Eve for gamblers, you know? It's, like, it's it's what all the people that aren't ready to, like, it's the night when all the non-alcoholics go out and act like alcoholics, and I'm just, like, eh. I could be all right sitting this one out and just watching the games. I hear you. I hear you. I think that will change. We'll hear from Rusty after Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday and see if that is to hold true. Uh, Blackhawks have lost uh, 20 straight road losses. Shout out in the last four of their six. Jesus Christ. Uh, I think they haven't scored more than one goal in their last, like, eight games. So it's, it's a tough stretch of hockey here in Chicago. But uh, uh, positive to have you guys here in the studio. Glad to be uh, next to you guys talking <laughs> hockey, trying to find Jesus the positives Christ. in life. Um, 20 straight. Ooh, road games? Road games. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's not good, but you know, there's some prospects that are looking pretty mighty and uh, and interesting to see if we can add to this uh, this struggling team. But uh, not not the uh, not the topic to the night. Actually, good segue. It is a good segue, and, and before we get to that, I'm going to just give you the tonight's lineup for uh, for today's episode, and that's going to be a little college hockey. Uh, we had the the one two matchup between BC and BU last weekend. We had some interesting uh, player polls. The Athletic. The Athletic uh, took some polls, and, and we'll get into that as we get into the episode. Some deadline rumors. The deadline's approaching. It's coming faster than anyone would think, and uh, the boys are here to kind of keep you posted and, and get you your first update of the season. And um, I, I, I kind of I miss this in the intros, Jack, but just, you know, like a call-out for our listeners, right? You kind of break the season up into four periods. Mm-hmm. It's the start of the season till U.S. Thanksgiving. We've talked about the significance of the standings there making playoffs. Then it's post-Thanksgiving through the All-Star break. Then it's the All-Star break through the trade deadline, which is condensed. And then it's post-deadline into playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's it's it, it's an important stretch here. Yep. Um, obviously, the games are only growing with significance each passing day. But I, I just want to call out that, you know, colloquial mm-hmm. cutting the season into four quarters because it's not an even, you know, 20 games, 20 games, 20 games, mm-hmm. 20 games. Um, but I think that's the way that that's kind of the way the league works. That's the way the GMs work. It's the way that, um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the teams and coaches kind of focus on segments. And, um, I, I just want to call that out, Jacker. Yeah. Cause no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, before we get into it, our final few things in the night key in actives, um, who is, uh, who's around, who's not around. It's, it's a big list and it's growing. Um, and then the always loose change and termite of the week, Saturday picks, Unfortunately, Armdog and Ross lost last week. I was the only winner. Uh, we'll get back to that after the All-Star break next episode. After, what do we have next week in store for, for the listeners and the, uh, the viewers, boys? It's an exciting one. It's our Termite Special. It's our first annual Termite Special. We'll see who's going yes. on the roster, who's going to be potentially going to the A. It's actually technically biannual. Biannual. Well, we haven't done one yet. That's right. So, so it's, yeah. it's a year and a half of Termites. Um, we'll see if we let it get to be another. We're gonna be making chops down. We're we're making our first cuts, and we're gonna be selecting our first selections yeah. to the 
first and second team all all colony. Yep. Who's going to the national? Who's going to the American? Who's getting uh, released on waivers? That's what will be happening. Have we have we put any? Are, are we just going to figure it out on air next week about how we're going to structure that? I'm thinking we're maybe, keeping it a surprise. Maybe, it's going to be a surprise. All right, because we'll, we'll, we've got something planned. We've got it. We're cooking. We're cooking. Well, there's there's a there's a real battle between forwards, defensemen, and goalie. Yep. But then there's also the pure termite look of soldiers and builders. Yeah, I think we've got to stick with soldiers and builders, but yeah. maybe it's a topic for next I week. I mean, we've played fluid hockey, positionless, you know. Hey, if anyone's confused. Termites, everyone better be on the same game plan, you know. Yeah, anyone, it's, a five, it's a five-man check. <laughs> if you're confused, if you're wondering what the heck are these guys talking about, go check out our Slot Shots version of uh, definition of a termite. It's uh, posted on our YouTube channel, so definitely give that a, a check out before next week. It, it may or may not surround a guy that Rusty is showing here on, uh, on cam. The short um, answer is Miles Wood and Miles Wood type players. He's the prototype. <laughs> um, yes, an exciting episode, an exciting one. It started off with basically uh, the future of the NHL all on display in the city of Boston. Uh, first game was in uh, BU, and second game was at BC. Doesn't matter. But... Other way around. Other way around. Friday night at uh, Conti Forum in uh, Chestnut Hill. And, and oh, did Mr. Brightside look fun? And uh, they had some good videos of the building rocking. It was a good, <sighs> good atmo. So, all right, you want me to just jump into it? Get into it. All right, so on the Atmo side, hats off to BC and their student section and that vibe there. Um, Connie Forum hasn't been like that since, like, the Brian Gianta teams, um, circa 2000, you know, 98, 2000, 2001, that era, when Jerry York was a coach and they were winning national championships. Um, and just in it every year, they were like a frozen four team every year, but shout out to, to BC. I'm, I'm, a, I root for the Terriers, not super diehard. I don't watch a ton of them. This was probably the first full BU game I've watched all year. So that's some context. Um, the atmospheres were different and also the broadcasts were radically different because Monday night, uh, or sorry, uh, Friday night, Friday night, I got the Nesson feed through ESPN Plus because Nesson covers Friday Night Hockey East. And so it was a little bit more of a professional, um, you know, professional broadcast. Um, and then Saturday night was what Army's complained about, the terrible TV angles and the usual student broadcast from BU out of Gannis. Um, just quickly on the arenas, Gannis is like a very pro-style rink. Um, it's probably, I don't know the number, but I want to say it's something like 12,000. Um, but it's built like an NHL arena. I think the facilities are pretty next level and it's all very kind of modern and very pro style. Whereas BC, they play in the same place where B, well, I guess BU basketball plays there too. 7,200. All right. All right. Um, so it's bigger than mullet, which is funny. Mm -hmm. Um, but the, the, the home ice vibe train definitely goes to BC. Um, that was pretty cool, but one, 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 one major rusty hates fun thing is. Dude, I think my least favorite song ever ever created was Mr. Brightside. I just, I can't handle it anymore. I'm so over it. But anyway, um, into the hockey. You know, so so this is the first time ever they played number one and number two in the country. So going into this back-to-back -back matchup, some important points of note, right? BU is number one in the country, BC number two, entering back-to-back home-and-homes, which is a pretty standard college hockey schedule, right? You play one place Friday, another place Saturday. That's how the schedule works because student-athletes have to go to class, allegedly. The other context of it is that Monday night, um, you know, a few days from now, is the kickoff of the Beanpot Tournament in Boston, right? That's an annual four-team tournament. It's an exhibition, but it's played like – it's played um, Frozen Four style. 
So um, it's they randomly mix it up. I don't know how the scheduling works, but it's between BU, BC, Harvard, and Northeastern. They split the teams up, right? Um, so they play at 5.30 and then 8.30 the first Monday of February. And then the winners play the late game. You know, there's the consolation game the following Monday at 5.30. And then the winners play at 8.30. But what's interesting about the bean pot is that it is an exhibition. It does not count for the regular season. However, there's serious bragging rights. They play in the in the TD Garden, right, home of the Bruins, and the the winner gets their banner underneath the bean pot in you know in in in, um, in the TD Garden for the next year. And there's a big trophy. It's a lot of history, a lot of local bragging rights. Once upon a time, when the players came from the area, always. Um, but the the other point about it is that they play continuous five on five overtime. And so sometimes it gets insane because these are number one, it's the first two Februarys in Boston. Um, so there's weather factors. And number two, they play back to back games on the same ice surface at 5:30 and 8:30. So if the 5:30 game goes into double overtime, the 8:30 game sometimes doesn't start until 10. And when there's like snow involved sometimes, like it can just be insane. Like people can be like like shut down in the garden up until 2 a.m. Um, and, and it can get crazy. And I like that you're setting the stage. I mean, you know, we've all talked about, obviously, the, the college football rivalries of, of sports. And, and it's actually, uh, you know, hockey fans have, have, for the most part, heard of the bean pop. But it's it's probably one of those more, the most storied little rivalry, the Battle of Boston, the Battle of the Area. And, and it's just a, a cool, fun thing that's kind of underlooked potentially in college sports. But obviously, hockey fans, or for some hockey fans, they obviously know about it, especially in the Boston area. But just a very cool, fun uh, uh, playing the- for the chest, playing for the city playing for your university or your college. It's probably the most notable. Like I would equate it to like the Frozen Four is the national championship mm-hmm. in college football. The Beanpot's kind of like the Rose Bowl. I mean, I would say it's like the it's like the secondary event that people know. It, and I know it doesn't relate to the whole country, but people know the meaning of the Beanpot. It's it's pretty impact like especially for being a non-conference exhibition. Mm-hmm. It means a ton. Yeah, and like BC and BU, right? They've been powerhouses since the 60s. Um, and they pretty much one of those two teams wins it half the time, and then Northeastern and Harvard chip in in the other half. Um, but, or I screwed that up. Like three quarters of the time, it's BC or BU, and then it's uh, Harvard and Northeastern. But um, anyway, to the games, right? So uh, the game Friday night, obviously electric atmosphere at Connie Forum. Um, kind of annoying jersey matchup. BC debuted like this new jersey they have that has like the throwback eagle on it that I like the throwback eagle, but it's like a gold jersey. It's like an off-white. So it was like Yuck. so it was like the it was like the gold it was gold versus red. Which was it's just like if that same jersey was just white, it would have been such a better but anyway. Um the hockey itself, right? Um a little bit of a slow pace to start. Things started to really pick up. There's so much skill on the ice. Um, you know, we, we've talked ad nauseum about the BC first round draft picks, the world junior stars, um, the line full of freshmen that are all top 15 picks or whatever it is. Um, you know, the, the, the talent's outrageous and BU, they're heralded players, this Macklin Celebrini, who might be, you know, the next Chicago Blackhawk number one overall pick, um, allegedly, uh, who played for Canada and the disappointing world juniors. And as the game flow happened, like, it, it was very, I don't know, I, I was, like, usually the college hockey games, if you notice one thing about college hockey, it's you notice the, it, it's, it's college, junior, anything, like, less than the NHL. It's just, like, you notice how good NHL guys are because, like, they don't miss passes. Like, NHL guys, like, it's just every every pass is caught. Like, nobody makes a bad, like, that ha- bad passes in the NHL happen, like, six times a game. 
college hockey, it's like six times a period. Um, and so because the game's a little bit, it's a little slower and sloppier, and that usually leads historically to like a lot more physicality. You especially see that around the Frozen Four. I thought there was a little bit of a lack of an edge, a little bit of like, I, I wanted to see a lot more of like an emotional, physical start to the game, but that definitely ramped up as it went on. Um, now, there were a couple goals that were scored and it was, it was, it was a pretty tight game throughout. Um, but one thing I noticed, you know, BU was, 5v5, it was pretty even, but the, the power play started to really heavily favor BC. And I don't think those were greasy, but they, they just, they called too many power plays. It was like, I think BC had six power plays, BU had like four. And it's just like, get out of the way, refs, you know? Yeah. Um, but the the goal scoring, I mean, the game really opened up. I want to say it was 1-1 or it might have been 1-0 BC. And um, the first really big physical check of the play, uh, of the game, was a BU guy stepping up in the neutral zone and burying the BC player. And what do you know? That leads to a two-on-one between the two first-round picks. I want to say it was Will Smith to uh, Perot or... Um, mm-hmm. Something like yeah. that, and it was just a it was just a flawless two on one execution sauce pass over the stick one timer top cheese, and it was just like, wow, that's first round pick stuff. Um, that was noticeable, and also like kind of a, a a wake up call that the college hockey of old, right, a little bit sloppier, a little bit more physical. Now it's just all skill, making like stepping up to be physical puts your team at a disadvantage because now you're taking the wrong angle, you're taking yourself out of a play. And that was sort of a, it was a frustrating reality to set in because the playing style felt more like world juniors than it did like, um, you know, what I've historically considered like the college hockey to be. Well, it's tough when you have this high end skill, like you just can't be that physical. Um, and still like, I read a stat that the average age of college hockey player is still 22. Um, so they're still super old. It's one of those, it's just how it works. You know, kids go to play juniors and then uh, the guys who don't make the NHL get to play from like 20 to 24, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty old sport. There's not a sport like that in college that I know of, um, other than hockey, which I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. But you're getting this influx of young players who have opted to go play college now instead of either going directly to the NHL or going to play junior somewhere else. Yep. So I think it's good for the excitement because there's all these top prospects and high-end skill. But like you said, you can't really step up for a hit when you have those guys on the ice because you can just spring things, you know? And it, it, it almost outweighs the momentum now. Um, so it, it definitely changes the game. Um, oh, this this podcast when you know we have a termite section because we you know we appreciate some of the things the termites do. We also don't, but you know the game has changed. It has changed to that higher speed, higher higher pace type of uh, of skill, um, and, and that's what you've seen, and that's where you're you're seeing now at these younger younger uh, college teams. And and when you look at these two rosters, as we talked about, I think last week with how many first round draft picks are on this BC team, how many guys are on this BU team. You're going to see that, and that's starting to translate, and that's why you're seeing some of these guys that are potentially playing a, a freshman, sophomore year, and then signing that NHL ticket come uh, end of college season and, and be able to play 10, 15 games with their with their NHL uh, um, affiliate or their national uh, league squad. And so I, I just I think that's just what you're seeing in the change of, of the game of, of overall is what I would say. Yeah, no, big time, big time. And just you got something on? I, I would just say it's also an anomaly. I mean, the amount of first-round talent these teams have now will not happen every year. 
Um, Michigan has shown that they can kind of do the same thing. In, in general, there's more first-round talent mm-hmm. in college hockey than there has been in, like, 10 years oh, ago. Oh, the game has grown. The but also, grown. the irony of it, too, is oftentimes those teams with the young freshman top-pick guys that are probably going to be one-and-dones or maybe two-and-dones, um, you know, those younger, higher-skilled teams very rarely win it all. You oftentimes see older teams that have, you know, some of these more veteran players, like places like Central Michigan and and, and some of the other teams that live on transfers mm-hmm. and guys that had to go play in the BCHL and were like 20-year-old freshmen because they're like full-blown adults sometimes playing against 18-year-olds. Yep. And that well, can be what, a difference that's what in the, out the games. Tw- average age is 22. That's like for 18 and 19-year-old guys, which is a lot of what's being the top lines are now on these two teams. And like Michigan too, and some other teams, that's huge. Four years of physicality. I mean, that's like that's unbelievably important. Yeah. How well, much now, muscle, speed, and like strength. Absolutely. You get from that? Like it's. But you're seeing kids. I mean, difference. you're seeing kids that are stepping into juniors now at 16, 17, at least in the United States, and they get those two years of juniors, and they're able to come in as an eighteen-year-old freshman, as we've seen with uh, a bunch of these guys, but. Then you see Celebrini, who's who's not even going to be 18 until freaking June. Well, here you go with Celebrini. So, so Celebrini's the youngest player in college hockey. He's only 17. He's going to be 18 just in time for the draft. He's expected to go 1-1. And my big thing on Celebrini in these two games, first two games I've really watched of him, is he's got a killer one-timer. And, you know, you see the skill there. And I'm talking with some of my buddies, but I just didn't see it in these two games. Um, I try to judge on like the best on best, right? It doesn't really say a lot to me when you score a hat trick against you name it, right? Uh, Southern New Hampshire, or, you know, Sacred Heart, or right. you know, no, we, I understand Air Force, saying. right? Um, and so the best on best is like what I really prioritize. That is a valid point, especially about Celebrini. He's seventeen. He's playing against, and BC is obviously a younger team, but um, in, in, he's playing above his above his weight class. Um, you know, choosing to go to BU and not not play Canadian Junior. But, he, you know, he was just, and maybe a lot of that is probably just being a 17-year-old, maybe being a little overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a hell of an environment to step into. Um, and these two back-to-back games, these are huge. These are huge. Uh, as big as regular season games get. And I just didn't see it. I mean, he just kept, he just, literally, he was just all, every power play, he was just cocked for the one-timer, just like trying to get open in a seam. Um, I, I thought he just, he, he misplayed some pox. Um, he got muscled out of things. I think he took some long shifts. Um, I really like uh, Alex Tuck's brother. Mm-hmm. I forget his Luke. first name, Luke Tuck. Um, on BU, he was um, he was meaningful in this, um, and you know, just, just like a, a couple of other guys that, that stood out to me were uh, Cutter Gautier. We talked about. He looks like a man among boys out there. Yep. He looks really good. Um, he's just big, strong, and. Um, the skill is outrageous, but a lot of these guys are so skilled mm-hmm. and he was a total force when he was on the ice. And when, when I say I'm not seeing it with Celebrini, I'm not seeing it with Celebrini and it's a tiny snapshot and I'm not about to say kid sucks. He's never going to make it. It's over. Um, but he wasn't good. He wasn't good. He wasn't good. We were talking about a guy who was a sophomore and comparing him to a guy who- I, I'm trying to figure out what his player comp is. If he's going to be that one, one. And, like, the only way I see him being as good as, like, some of this hype has been is if his playing style at the NHL level is more like a kind of Kucherov. Like, if, it, like if his mental side of it and his vision and patience and, and ability with the puck. But I didn't see him carrying the puck a lot. I didn't see the puck on his stick. I saw him trying to get open for shots, sort of like, you know, he looked to me like a Cole Caulfield 
and less like uh, uh, you know Kucherov. Um, but again, he's 17 years old. He's also, it's hard to jump the gun on also, that. Also, it might just be a too bad games. He's fourth in the NCAA. He's scoring points. a lot of points. There's no question uh, about it's, it. It's probably what was BC's big big target of the night. And he's two six, nights, so he's shut six, him down. He's six foot. They list him at six foot one ninety right now. Yeah. So it's not like he's a small dude. Yeah, but um, and also my comparison to him was was Jack Eichel's freshman year. Yeah, and you know perhaps Eichel was more physically mature, almost a year older than him when he was playing. Um, so that's probably not a fair apples to apples, but yeah. Eichel's entire, he won the Hobie Baker as a freshman and mm-hmm. we know, right. He oh was, yeah. He was number two to, to McDavid, right? Yep. So any other year, he probably would have been the number one pick. Um, and Eichel was just so dominant in college. Like the puck never left his stick. Every time he was on the ice, he was dominating. He was on both ends. Just, um, just incredible. And that team went all the way to the, you know, to the championship. And I think part of that too is like. BU has a lot of other young skill, too. Like, Eichel was one of the few, like, young guys there. Um, so I think he was expected to – he just had the opportunity to play more of that load, you know, and uh, had bigger guys around him as well. Celebrini's playing – like, I, I wouldn't be concerned. He may have had a bad two games, you know, and that says something, but – And it's also eight years ago. Hockey's changed a lot. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'm the dino here. There are a lot of brothers in this, you know, in this game and on BU, too. Two Hudsons. Two Hudsons, two Celebrinis. So the older Celebrini, yeah. yeah, the older Celebrini plays D. He looked pretty good, actually. Um, and the two Hudsons, right? Um, the older Hudsons, a forward. Lane is the younger Hudson, a defenseman. Um, yeah, I thought they were impact players. They were definitely impact players on BU's run last year when they went to the Frozen Four and ultimately lost. Um, so... That was, you know, those were kind of my big takeaways. Ryan Leonard, I didn't mention. Leonard Leonard and Gautier, to me, stood out as the biggest impact players. Um, Leonard scored a bad angle. It, I mean, he's kind of a snipe, but it was more like the goalie should have had it. But, I mean, ain't at the college level, the way he's shooting, um, you know, maybe he, he just out, out, out-skilled, outpowered him. Did but. you notice Perot? Perot scored, uh, scored one in this one, yeah. Perot was totally, totally relevant. It was more of the same from Perot from World Junior. Just, like, he's pretty dynamic when the puck's on his stick. Really dynamic offensive power play weapon. Um, he's really... He's looking like a steal. He's if, really skilled. Um, everything and, I'm reading about him is just, like, if there was a redraft of last year's draft right now, he'd get top ten pick pretty easily. And, you know, the, Will Smith was the other guy out there, and he looked pretty good, too. He, he just... He, he missed out a few opportunities, right? There was a scenario where he just got fed and he had the whole net to shoot at and he just put it high and wide, um, yeah. some of those things. But, um, yeah, BC would take... Uh, take they took the, both. Take the first one 4-1 to one and take the, the last one 4-3, to three, both, uh, both big wins, and it would actually uh, put them on top of this week's uh, NCAA power rankings. And As it damn well should have. I mean, they were neck and neck for 1-2 and two and they just swept the other best teams. So. You know, BC, North Dakota, and then BU is what the top three look like right now. We'll keep a college check-in. We got the B pot coming up, so we'll definitely keep you in store with that one. But uh, definitely go check out some college hockey. I mean, there's just uh, we've just talked about Boston, but you know, Minnesota's good, North Dakota's good, Denver's good, UMass Lowell is always one of those older teams, but they always stay... <laughs> Um, nice the River Hawks. Yep. River Hockey. Good. River yep. Michigan's Hockey. Michigan's always good. Uh, so some impressive stuff. I think UMass Lowell is kind of my secondary team. I think there. Vermont's actually kind of decent this year. There's, uh, maybe not. I don't know. They haven't been good in a while. Um, they could be. I don't they have I a fun. They have a fun ball. I was definitely Mankato. Uh, Mankato, yeah. Minnesota State. That's one of the older teams, yeah. All the random Minnesota teams. There's some random Michigan teams. Minnesota, Duluth. Just to fire off the quick top ten, we've got BC, North Dakota, BU, Wisconsin, 25 and 1. Wisconsin's a big team to look out for. Denver, Maine, Quinnipiac, the national champions. Michigan. Older team, Quinnipiac, usually. Michigan State. Rod Brindamore's son is on Quinnipiac. Soda. He's not in the AHL right now. Who? 
young Brindamore. He's still at Quinnipiac. Uh, I think so. Think so. Yeah, but St. Cloud State at sixteen. Another yeah. so. love St. Cloud State. It's it's growing. It is it's just a team. Growing. Like you, you see different teams in college athletics and hockey. It's it's. Oh, I mean Colorado or Colorado College. I mean you know I think it's their it's only. It's got a cool group sport. of teams. Yeah. yeah. RIT. You know it's it's. it's in a fun. lot of in a lot of schools, primary sport. And, and many forget, you know, college hockey produces a third of the NHL. So yep. and it's probably growing. growing. Yeah, yep, that's that's from like five years ago. So it's probably that's a little check in with the college hockey. Yeah, college go. hockey, got to got to keep an eye out for the future prospects of the national. Uh, moving on, moving on to the player polls, the NHL player polls. We're going to cover a few of them tonight. Those being, sorry, uh, those are going to be the who is the best player, the best goalie. Most underrated and overrated, and who would you most like to punch? Starting with the big one. Wait, Russ, I think we should guess. All right. Starting with the big one. What's the big one? 69%, the best player in the league. Oh, I thought the big one was punch in the face. Oh, we're going to finish with the punch in the face. (laughs) Can we give top three for this one? Top three. I'm going to go McDavid, McKinnon, Matthews. I'm going to copy that. Uh, McDavid, McKinnon, uh, Kucherov, Crosby, and McCarr tied for fourth. Uh, 69% for McDavid, 16% for McKinnon, and 7% for Kucherov. Obviously, uh, it is, uh, as to McDavid's standards, a little bit of a drop-off on this year's season, but he is obviously lighting the lamp as, as the Edmonton Oilers continue on their historic hot streak. Uh, but one one minute on on you know McDavid and McKinnon, and that's where I get to it. I'm and I'm shocked to see that it's that much of a margin between the two. As as you look at what the Nate Dogg Nate Dog has done this year, how much of a, a big role he's played. I mean, yes, you're seeing Edmonton skyrocket and, and what has happened, and yes, you know who the best skater and 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 maybe uh, best player in the league has been in terms of McDavid. But I think this has been the coming out real coming out party of of the Nate Dog. Uh, you know, we've we've always known he's had the talent, but it's I think kind this of a is, different gear somehow. This is where you're seeing is is he is he's uh, he's catapulting himself into this argument. So I'm curious to see. You know, yes, they're taking this in in the middle of January, and 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 maybe at the end of the year, your your opinions might change. But um, in terms of the players, but that much of a margin between the two is surprising. I will say that. You know, I don't think it is. Yeah. I, I I know McKinnon is unbelievable. And I, I would think he has as much of a, like, maybe not as, I would say as much of a gap between the next, or probably should have, but that's just not how, like, the voting system would work in this. Um, but, like, let's not forget about McDavid. Like, McDavid is a 160-point caliber player when he's on. Like, he's a two-point-a-game player. Yeah. I, we established before the season that two points a game is the new standard for McDavid. <laughs> and he's having a down year. For him, I mean, he was, and now it's ramping it's back, all the way like, back. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what he ends with. That'll be interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm not too surprised by it. I, I I read a good tweet. I I mentioned this earlier, to you guys, but it was a good way to put it in perspective. And it was like, how many games would you have to see McKinnon outplay McDavid to say McKinnon is as good of a player? And this person said 50, just because of like you'd have to see like pretty much watch 50 games where McKinnon was the better player to really change your opinion on that. Because of just, it wasn't discrediting McKinnon at all. That wasn't the sentiment of the tweet. It was just like we like this is Connor McDavid. Um, you know, I hear you. He's that I good. hear you. I don't know. I mean, he's I, got I, seventeen I, more points right now, Nate Dog. Um, and as we talked about, yes, it is a bit of an off year for. Uh, well, has been because that tough McDavid. stretch. He missed yeah. the yep. game. He was a little. And he was hurt. injured for a little bit. And there's still, you know, what forty percent of the season to go, thirty five percent of the season to go. Mm-hmm. Most teams have played how many games, Jack? 
49 is what it looks like the most. All right, all right. So 50, we, got, sorry, we, got 30, we got about 30 games left. And I'm sure if you ask any fan in anyone in the NHL, if the gap between McKinnon and McDavid point totals then the year would be closer, farther apart than it is now, they'd say it'd be closer. What do you think Nate Dogg needs to do to win win MVP? Just keep going. He's got a huge point total lead. Like, keep going, and he should still lead the league in points. He needs to outscore McDavid for the season, and he needs the Colorado Avalanche to finish higher in the standings than the Oilers. But if he gets them by 10 points, I think he's going to win it. A little disrespectful to uh, Nikita Kucherov, who is the NHL point leader in terms of, if you guys go on uh, Matthews, I, I have the, the list in front of me, so I'm not going to be uh, taking my, my stabs. But, uh, no, I... I what you're seeing from him in Tampa, and we've we've talked about. We'll we'll save Tampa a little bit for loose change, but I think uh, a little disrespectful to the Kucherov. You know, so, oh, I don't think so. Go ahead, uh, like Kucherov, obviously one of the like preliminary scorers in the league. I think we all acknowledge how good of a talent he is. Um, he's not a center, and his two way game is not nearly the level. So like, he's the probably maybe the best power play weapon in the league. Like that's a fair argument. Him, Pasternak, and probably. McKinnon and, and McDavid are like the four guys you'd want on your power play. Um, but he just doesn't, like, when we talk about best player, he's not going to be in that. And I've so. got another I've got another Adam Oatesism here. Uh, Oates was on Kipper and Bourne, and they asked him about, like, the All-Star game, and they got to talking a little bit about power play. Um, and Oates himself was one of the best power play guys ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the few people qualified to speak on guys of this caliber. Um, and his big thing about Tampa's power play success is it's so obvious on that unit. It runs through Kucherov. It runs through Kucherov. It runs through Kucherov. So they've got point on the bumper and they've got, um, they've got uh, Stamkos, you know, doing the, in, in the, in the Ovechkin office. Um, and then, you know, Hedman at the point and they've mixed up the kind of net front. Um, but two things that, that Oates called out about, I think Kucherov's success that, that points to this bit, which is, the reason, you know, very different players. I think McKinnon is more, like, there's more of a McKinnon-McDavid thing. Mm-hmm. Kucherov is really in a different little yes. realm because yes. you just watch him skate. And, like, the, it's not like he's a bad skater. It's just, like, those two are absolute powerhouses. They're kind of in a league of their own. But from a vision and uh, the, the big thing Oates talks about is, like, it's how multiple he is with the ways he can attack from the power play. So when he's got the puck on the half wall, his stick positioning, his eyes, and his unpredictability because he keeps so many options open, and they keep that structure where it's like every time you shut down one option, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul because you're opening up another option, and he hits the right option. His decision-making there, I think, is better than both of those guys. You're talking yeah, you about, just can't skate I'm talking about McKinnon and, and Ben Davis. You're saying Kucherov has a better... Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, I have a good in, in that, that pure... But, but, but part of the power play moment is right, you're playing a half-court game, right? That's all offensive right. zone setup. And if you watch an Oilers power play, it's certainly not too shabby. But you see McDavid doing all kinds of crazy shit, right? The zone entry, the laps around the zone, um, the dipsy doodles and spinoramas and, like, the ways that he pulls... Like PK units completely out of structure, mm-hmm. um, and the ability to make decisions and shoot or pass at the highest speed possible. Those are things that McKinnon mm-hmm. and and uh, McDavid do exceptionally well. But of the three guys, McKinnon has the best one timer. Yeah. I think Kucherov's is close. Kucherov's is sneaky and it's good it's and really it's, good. it's deceptive. And he has the one, pass off the one timer too. But the way that sometimes, like like when McCarr just crisply puts one over, like high, like like the, the the high speed pass from McCarr to McKinnon for a one timer, 
that is such like a be- it's a video game play. Yeah. It's just like you don't like you don't see that anywhere you can't else. Even do it that, at that level in the video games. My last point on this poll on the best players, I'm surprised McCarr isn't more in that conversation. Like I said, I think he's because he's the best defenseman, so you'd think maybe he gets a little bit more love. And but, he's he be play, yeah, plays more ice time than I mean maybe McDavid's. McDavid's playing, but, <laughs> but I so the other thing too is I don't think. I think Edmonton's trying to get a little bit away from how much ice time McDavid's oh, had. Cool. And they've been able to because they've been so good. But you know what? When it comes to not cutting time, he's like 28 minutes. Yeah. Okay, I got, a good, yeah. I got a good staff for you guys on Kucherov. And this it must relate pretty close to the, the power play too, right? Uh, he has the most slot passes completed. Slot shot podcast. So, like, he gets the puck to a player. And I, this is the type of analytics I love because it's simple to understand and you see the value immediately, right? He completes the most passes to the slot. He is 42 this season. Who do you think second, and what do you think their number is? Oh, geez. Uh, give me a second. Give me a second. Um, oh, so it's passes completed into the slot? Yeah. Doesn't have to lead to a goal. Okay. Um, I w- normally, I would probably say Crosby, but that power play has been a mess this year. Um, it's not power play, too. This is just a... Is it five on five? Or is it... No, it's total. It's total. It's got to be total. total. Yeah, that's way too many if you discount power play. Um, I'm going to go with Dreisaitl. No, it's McDavid. And I read the stat wrong. I'm sorry. This is active streaks of two or more slot. He leads the league, too. I'm sorry. I messed this up. I didn't what are we doing one. here? No, this is good. It's still good, though. So active streaks of two or more slot passes completed in a game. So he's done it 42 straight games. He's completed a pass there. He still leads the league with 215. <laughs> That's just gross. Whatever. I mean, it's unbelievable. But you can see it. Like, watch the power play and watch him find guys in the slot. He's got that fake slap shot pass. That's just awesome. It's, it's he's, he's the least predictable guy in the, in the NHL in the in the offensive zone. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. In a good way. Like, not like it's a good We see why our, he's uh, not voted the best player. To our next pool. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, just pure, pure ozone. All right, boys. Best goalie in the league. Oh, I just saw that. I just saw a name on your thing. I'm best. gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Vasilevsky. Two, um, two. I'll go. Uh, Hellebuck and three. I'll go Sorokin. Feel right. disrespectful to Bruins, but all right. I, what no, name I, did you I, see? I, I what saw, name did you honestly see? I saw the top name. Okay, so you know Vazzy. I think that's a respect thing. Yeah, no, I mean he's he's. To be the man, you got to beat the man, right? He's still mm-hmm. the man. Um Sorokin are pretty tough to beat. Um, I'm going to ride Army with Hellbucks about the Sorokin. Hellbuck. I don't love goalie talk, so let's Demko. just get, let's get through it. Thatcher Demko. Demko, three. Whatever. And percentages-wise, more BC. 44 for Vazzy, 15 for Hellbuck, and 7, 6, 5. For actually Sorokin and Demko, I should say, so... Interesting stuff. You know, we're not Swayman. Swayman coming in there above other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just in front of him is is Durkin. You know, I think we're not. We're not big. We we never played the goalie position. We understand how important the goalie position is to to said team. And as I think Rusty said it perfectly, you know, you gotta you gotta dethrone the king to be the king, and uh, that just quite hasn't happened yet. We'll see what happens if if another early exit from the from the Tampa Bay Lightning occurs. It it could start to. uh, Start to see that 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 change of uh, change of guards, and sure. there's no question about what Connor Hellbuck has done. Um, I think he's probably underrated if you look at this list. But uh, moving on to our next poll, our next poll, who is the most underrated player in the league? Jeez, 
First place, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna name it. No, 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 no. Let us guess. Let us guess. Give us three guesses. I don't even know how to order them. All right, you've been going first, Army. Let me go first. Underrated player in the league. The most underrated player in the league. Well, the real answer is Brock Faber. Um, but, all right, fuck it. I'm just going to go fire. This is Rusty's pick. I'm not guessing what they pick. I'm going to say Brock Faber. Um, Brock Faber. Sebastian Ajo. And I'm just going to throw my hometown in there, Charlie Coyle. Okay, I'm going to take a different approach to this. Because I, I, I think voters on these polls vote some of the older guys sometimes. They're players. Yeah. I know. So I'm going to go Malkin. Then I'm going to go... Uh... You mean Russian Pierre-Luc Dubois? No. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to go Malkin. Let's go Devin Taze and... Or Devon Taze. I like the Taze pick. And then uh, Claude Giroux. So the first place is other. So I, uh, you know, this so is there's everyone's throwing. Ooh. Second place is is Barkov. Third place, uh, Reinhardt. Fourth point, uh, Barkov at twelve percent. The other got twenty two percent. Twenty two percent vote. Zaka's on there. So uh, it's kind of like it's kind of who's good. Coils on, on there. Coils on there. There's some interesting names. I mean, the other it's 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 I follow it's it's Aaron, Marsh on there. Rust, Max, Sprung, 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 Sprung made shut up. Batherson, Dowdy, Elias, Patterson, Cabrunson. Sprung. Faber's not on there though. Faber's not on there. Good. Uh, That's a good point. Arnold. Oh my gosh! They do see rules. Sprung with a beggar. <laughs> Oh, we, got the wing, we got the wings going on the background. I mean, we learned somebody voted Podcast. Strong is the most underrated player. Seconds later. Great call. Bing Bong. Delivers. All right, this is a weird one. This is a weird one. It's a weird one. Go ahead and move on. Move on. Most overrated player. And I'm going to just say first place is other. Okay. Most overrated player. You go now, Army. You go first. I, I saw a lot of this. All right, all right, all right. So, so all right. So, I, I haven't seen the most overrated. I saw it on Twitter today. I didn't see the most overrated. Uh, most overrated player in the league right now, Alex Ovechkin. Um, most overrated, I'm going to say Ovechkin. Um, Zegris. Um, Ovechkin, Zegris, and Mitch Marner. I don't know. I'm, I'm going for it. Trevor Zegers. Darnell Nurse, Matthew Kachuk, Jason Robertson, wow. Jonathan Huberto, Alex Ovechkin, RNH, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, Nugent Hopkins is a good pick. PLD's, PLD's right PLD's there. Crazy that Others receiving votes. Oh, Eric Carlson. I meant to say Mantha, Eric Carlson on this. Mantha received votes. Larkin received votes. Who thinks Mantha's Eichel received votes. Pasta received votes. Hamilton received votes. Kane so random. So I sent a text about this because somebody did answer Joel Edmondson, and I just want to know what their thought. Like, do they just? Hate oh, it's him? a grudge. It's got to be a grudge. It's a grudge. That's I, Nick I, Cousins' vote. It's to kind our of most exciting to poll. <laughs> to our most exciting poll. Who, whose face would you most like to punch in the NHL? I'm ready to go. I think we we all saw this a little bit. So we know number one's Nick Cousins in a landslide, which is a big slot shot yeah. win. Um, I mean, not a shocker. I think everybody's on that. Uh, the next, I'm I got I'm just rusty. I'm gonna go Zegris. And probably Gudis. I think people like Gudis too much. But that doesn't Gudis mean they don't want to punch him in the Gudis face. Gudis is on the list. Zegers is yeah. on the list. I would put Marshawn in there. Ah, of course. I think Marshawn's got to be in there. Yeah. I, he might have too much respect around the league, but like I feel like he has Yeah, to. it's a schnoz. You just want to pop. And then Truba should probably be in there too, right? <laughs> but nobody will because they're too afraid of that. They'll just lose. Who you got, Jacker? 
So cousins, other, Marshan, Kachuk, Bunting, Garland, Hathaway, oh, Mikey C, Brady, uh, awesome. Ryan Lomberg, Kadri, Fiala, Skinner, Zegers, Wilson. Rasmus Anderson, Gudis. Anderson. Remember Rusty's Rasmus Zadorov, Anderson? Uh, Kane, Finger on Braun. the pulse of the league. That's what you get from Slot Shop Podcast. Also, Finger I, on the pulse of the league. Hey, our I boy Liam O'Brien's on in that other poll. Big Tuna. Big yeah. Tuna. This is all grudges. Lafiniere. Connor Garland. Charlotte. Sherratt. Jesus, Charlotte. Montour. Gallagher. Ben Sherratt. Ben Sherratt. Yep. Probably his teammates because he takes that lap. Wallman's on there. Frank for Tr- uh, Toronto. Logan Stanley. I love Ed that. Winsel. I I actually love Vander that Connor Garland got like substantial votes in this. Oh. Big ups to him. Big ups to him. Yeah, that makes me like him even hey, more. Fun, oh, fun little him. player polls on the. Uh, the you know, we love to see it. We love to go through. But it. Connor Garland's kind of an anomaly. I don't know exactly what his face looks like, but I. I, I, but this, I think is just, it like I think this is like who you are requesting the trade, and you're being in the media in the wrong way. But I think one. it's the sandpaper in his game. It could be. So could no, be I think I, th- I think it's two things. I think it's the sandpaper in his game. I think it's both. If you watch the way that he battles down low, he's so crafty with how he molds his body. I think a lot of guys feel like that sometimes puts their lower extremities at risk because he's like kind of carving around their knees, you know, almost like the Star Wars AT-AT uh, battle in the snow. Mm-hmm. Is I think that's Empire Strikes Back, right? So he's kind of like weaving between the big guys, like around their legs, um, which I could see rubbing guys the wrong way. And then the other part of it is sometimes like he makes guys look really stupid mm-hmm. because he's so small and he can exploit them with quick little moves. Yep. And so if you're a big guy and you're going after, you're going, you're going to the corner with a five foot seven guy, um, you better come out with the puck. And every time he does, which I think is a, a great percentage for him, especially inch for inch, pound for pound, I think that rubs a lot of guys the wrong way because they get like posterized by the little man and they don't want to be viral. Yeah, I had that moment in our latest uh, NATO game. I was not coming out with the puck with that big defenseman. I tried, though. All five, seven of me tried. Uh, player pulse. Fun stuff. Fun little uh, distraction here in the uh, the national here, halfway point. Not halfway point, but at the all-star break. Um, and yes, Army does have the wings game on. He's excited and... And it's been a fun atmo as as Ottawa plays the Wings for the first time Ooh. since the Larkin incident. You said a little tilt? No, that was a replay from the last one. Replay oh, okay. From the last one. okay. Uh, moving on, moving on to deadline rumors. Deadline rumors. This is uh, the first time we've talked about it this year. You know, it, it, the big list um, from uh, from the boys over at Daily Faceoff has uh, Elias Lindholm, uh, Sean Monahan of uh, Montreal, Chris Tanev, Mark Andre Fleury, Noah Hannafin. Uh, Adam Henrique of the Ducks, Sean Walker, and Nick Dowd. Also, Andre Kuzmenko, who is a 27-year-old. He will be, a, I think, a UFA at the end of the year. So this has been a big little topic in the in the Vancouver media of what is going to happen with Kuzmenko. Really quick on Kuzmenko, crazy stat from this. I, I just lost track. I mean, last year, right, we, we didn't watch a ton of Vancouver. 39 goals last year. Also led the league in tipping goals. At 14 tip-in goals. And this year, obviously, he's got a half a point a game right now. He's not getting the ice time. He's been scratched, you know, by uh, by Tockett. And, like, their team is playing a team game that he doesn't seem to match. So I, it's a huge piece for them to move and get somebody that, that yep. fits what they're trying to do a little bit better because he's a, he's a very good player. And it's, yep, as and, he but says. But you yeah. also left off, you know, Chikrin. Chikrin's um, 10. Kulak, um, I don't really get. Jake Allen, we've talked a lot about. Mantha. Mantha on there. That's that's why I stopped. At, that's why I stopped at ten. Yeah, yeah. Alex Carrier, the Predators defenseman. That's another guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Tyson Scary is a big pick. Kevin Hayes down there. Uh, Kaliev on LA. That's an interesting one to watch. Yep. 
Um, definitely a first-round talent that's playing fourth line. And it seems like they, they're looking for depth for if that's really going to happen is what it, it's sounding like. Some more Tarasenko, more. Morgan Frost, Jordan Greenway. Mm. Um, Another one for Greenway. Mike Hoffman, power play merchant. Roslovic on Columbus. Yeah. Roslovic's interesting because he's young. And but was, I read a report he, that were, he's probably the most likely to get moved in Columbus, and they have a lot of pieces. They have too many defensemen. Yes. Yeah. Um, none of them are like that good, but there's some good young prospects there. Oh, looking oh, at the front God. of the list, let's look at the front of the list. Elias Lindholm. Uh, you know, this has not been a, a great year for the Calgary Flames. They are confident that this core could come back and and uh, and could could uh, potentially be a playoff team. But uh, with Lindholm being a pending UFA at four eight, you know, the uptick of a of a contract should be there big for this guy. Um, at twenty eight, you know, at forty eight games, eight goals, twenty three uh, assists for thirty one points, but. Lindholm is uh, is the number one target on uh, on Frank Saravelli's uh, daily faceoff uh, trade deadline list. So what do we got on on Lindholm? I know we've talked a little bit about him potentially moving on. Uh, have we heard anything about where he could be going? Well, there's a lot of options. Um, I think any good team that thinks this is a really good year for them to contend should be looking at him because pretty much everyone can afford him. Not like not everyone. There's teams right on the cap, you know, um, but there's ways you can you can balance some cap there. But he's a guy who could play your second line center. Could also be one of the best third line centers in the league. He's yeah. probably a second line center. Uh, no, I, I, so I disagree. He's not a third line center. I know, but for and a team, for a team that's looking for a rental to really push them over the top, I can see them playing him in that role. Uh, he's I a mean, great player. Two hundred foot game. I think. I think a fit for him is finding a team that needs a second line, like an elite first or second line center, and he comes in as the one or one A. Well, so he's I've probably heard, not joining a team as the one that's going to be a real contender. I heard one team that's looking at him is Vancouver. Mm. He would technically be the third center on the roster, but they've kind of liked him. They've been playing uh, JT Miller and Patterson together with Besser, just loading up a top line, and that would let them do that because you you can play Elias Patterson with a lot of guys. And you know what helps that balance? That Matthew Joseph, Teddy Bluger, Connor Garland line. It's a great third line that we've watched. And Lindholm being that second center in there, right? That's now a really balanced. Yeah, that's a him, that's a balanced group. Yeah, no, there. he would be a good addition there. He's just going to cost a lot. I mean, like he's his value is a good second line center, which is like at least a first round pick, probably a first rounder prospect, and like a second rounder. You know, yeah, oh, the asking price dating back to and you probably I'm probably a roster player as well because you said every team can afford him. I disagree. I mean, well, I, dating back to and you talk about that, and that's why I interrupt is. And you going back to uh, Elliot Friedman, uh, it was a report from December, but uh, basically when when Colorado shipped out to Tar, they were thinking that uh, potentially Colorado was preparing for a big move. That were, They were thinking potentially Lindholm yeah. uh, oh to Colorado could have been a, a conversation, but the other ones uh, listed. I think, I, sorry, uh, but I, I think Lindholm to Colorado, like that's a seismic wave yep. in the in The, the other ones talked standing. about potentially uh, besides Colorado are the Boston Bruins, your Boston Bruins, and uh, yeah, the Carolina Hurricanes. So the big thing with the Bruins on some of these high-end centers is they, they're all out of cap, and they've should just shown – an unwillingness to depart from some longtime players that are on cap numbers that need to go out the door. So Bree and Lindholm, they'd have to get rid of an important piece somewhere. I don't think they're ready. I don't, they don't even have the picks to package with like a so Grizzlick like and, and a pure salary. You can't hide 4-8 in that salary room. You can if, 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 if Grizzlick's part of the deal, but now that's adding, that's a bad contract that you need to add picks to to get right. rid of. So that just doesn't really seem logical to me. I think the real Bruins pursuit of Lindholm is about free agency next year. 
Um, and I think, you know, be the second Lindholm on the team. But guys tend to like playing in Boston. So I think they have a good chance in free agency to get him. They're going to have a ton of money off the cap this year. And there's an obvious need at center, right? Zaka and Coyle mm -hmm. have been awesome. But, like, that's not a Stanley Cup 1-2 down the middle. And I think Lindholm plugs right in there as a, a similar player to Zaka. Um, and, I, you know, I think just a, a step above Coyle, and that slots Coyle into that dominant third-line center, which is – which is pretty awesome. What, what do you think the contract for Lindholm as a as a UFA is? He's at what 30, 32 points in forty two games this year. He scored a hundred points and forty goals before. I, I would say he, high. Yes, yeah, that one eights, year with Gaudreau and Kachuk. Middle eights. I think middle eight years. Middle eights. I mean, he's BLD contract twenty eight, so maybe four four or five years. I think max. I mean, I'd get him at maybe thirty three by the end of that. I think four would be. And then you could have right some. And then you could have some team blow him away on term yeah. and just go eight years, seven and a half. I don't know. I think he's a seven mil player. All right. I, I mean, can see him see. getting paid eight because centers are hard to come. A lot to work through. Moving down the list, or do you want to? No, some? I Monahan's where I was going to go. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is an interesting one. Uh, you know, Sean Monahan has been in the league for seemingly some while now. For a guy who's only twenty nine years old, um, came up young. He did come up around young in the uh, what in the or in the Calgary franchise. Yep. Um, there he is. For a guy who has 13 goals, 22 assists for 35 points, um, you know, th this is a former first overall, sixth, uh, sixth or not first round, sixth overall pick uh, back in Calgary. He showed, uh, showed his talents. It was a, you know, kind of a rough patch of when he was there. He then kind of Hold saw on. some Jack, time, Jack, but... you're not, you're not telling the story. Sean Monaghan emerged on Calgary when they were good, whatever it was, five years ago. Um, playing top line minutes as arguably like what looked to be the next like the next great two hundred foot center that the league was going to go after and and like go after that, that the league was going to kind of run with right he looked like that next kind of Selkie Trophy nominee center ice position the Jonathan Taves kind of mold he looked he looked that good yeah. early um, and then had horrific injury issues um, and had to sign a one year I don't want to say prove it but one year kind of a trial trial contract with Montreal this year um, because, you know, he, he needed the chance. He needed the ice time. He needed to prove that he could just play every day and not uh, continue to battle the injuries that he's battled. And he's having a really great year for Montreal. And where I'm going with this, Army, unless you've got something on Monaghan's track record, but where I'm going with this is, and Montreal probably wants nothing to do with this, but Kaliev, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I don't know. I mean, because <laughs> there's term on both of those players and getting Monaghan as a rental, that's an aggressive move for L.A. But um, on the expiring deal, I, I just think Monaghan would be such a great fit there down the middle. Kopitar, Dano, Monaghan, that's changes things. I hear you. It's I a bit of a redundancy, but I think it's a redundancy of the winning 200 foot center. And, like, that is a welcome redundancy oh, in any lineup to me, especially come playoffs. As you've talked about. I mean, and they need and, – and, sorry, Jack, but L.A. keeps losing, and it's becoming such a problem. McClellan could get fired. Like, mm -hmm. there we've talked uh, this year already about there's only a number of, like, buttons and levers that you can push and pull to wake a team up and get them out of this kind of a, of a stretch. And it seems pretty obvious that – you know, if you look at that whole roster, it's like what piece doesn't fit. And to me, the obvious guys are Pierre Dubois' attitude, Kaliev's kind of player profile, and the other one is a little iffy, but it's it's, it's kind of Monahan. 
Uh, or no, sorry, I said Monahan. I meant uh, Fiala. But they need the Fiala scoring. I don't think he's a candidate to be shopped. But do you know what I mean? How it's a grindy I you, team. I, I would say that has like less than one percent chance of happening. Yeah, why? I, well, first off, they just they just committed to Pierre Lebrun. I don't think any um, team in the NHL wants PLT. Well, if there is a team, it is the Canadians. I mean, that's that is like the place that he's capitalize on their French bigotry, right? Capitalize on their bias for a French speaking player. And he's he's always wanted to play there too. Allegedly. Know? Allegedly, you, you never know where he back, wants to play. Back on the Monahan. Um, Segway, you know, he is, a, he is a 60 point player when he is fully healthy. He's touched the 82 point mark once. Um, you're starting to see that as he's played 49 games this year. He's probably, he's on pace to probably touch high 50s, uh, low 60s again. And uh, it's a valuable asset you could add. And at one year, like you said, expiring, but at 1 9, he is probably the most affordable guy that you could look at at the deadline. For my Kings. Uh, Stanley Cup champion pick. They, that, that's a move they got. I'm not talking about Montreal biased. Your LA biased over here. I'm so biased. I think they're more likely to just cough up a first rounder, and that's what I, everything I've heard about him is like. He's becoming one of the hottest trade assets because uh, he's started to pick up his play. It's not only that he's like playing healthy this year, he started to play like the old Monahan, which I think everybody's been waiting for, and he's doing it at the right time for the Canadians because they're going to have that value. Yeah. Another team I've heard a lot of interest in is. Uh, the New York Rangers, especially with the news of Philip Edel going down for the year. Uh, we should have covered um, that before this. The Rangers are That's the type next. of team that will make a move. Flawed structure. Um, but I, I, I think he would fit perfectly into that lineup. Third line center, or you could bump him up to one of those wings on the second or first line. Because um, he can play wing and center. I mean, he could do it all. So Both special teams, yeah. He's just a very good player. I He'll be moved. I don't see I don't see a world unless the Canadians say, "Look, we want this guy the next five years." That's fucking crazy. But I don't think he would want to sign there. So I I think he's going to be moved. I think. And I think there's still a huge. I think there's just still huge asterisks around Monahan's long term value based on his injury history. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a bummer that that's the case. But, but right like, now at one nine, it's a steal. Oh my god, completely. And the yeah. way he's playing, it's 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 a it, he he hits every single right red green flag on the trade bait list. So I yeah, think a ton of teams are going to be looking at him. But Moving one on. final point on LA Sorry. is <laughs> they're supposedly looking for a little bit tougher defense. Um, and I think they're going to try to chop Spence um, because it, Grant Clark is looking like he's going to be a fixture. And they feel like that's a little too soft offensive on D and that they need a meaner presence on the blue line other than England and what you get from Dowdy. But Dowdy's got so much ice time to eat that he's not going to be the full goodest. Um, so, yeah. Brad going on ahead to LA. All right, end of it, end of it. I mean, that'd be Moving on to uh, Chris it. Tan, of, uh, the 33, 33-year-old defenseman out of, again, Calgary. Uh, it's been uh, a bit of a whirlwind of a year, and we'll talk about the next defenseman from Calgary after this in Noah Hannafin, but uh, two guys that are pending UFAs that they've talked about trying to extend in the uh, the offseason, then you know they get out, and they are unfortunately unable to, and then you get into the regular season, and Calgary stumbles, as, as we all saw, and and, uh, you know, it, it's been a little bit of watching this core kind of light up in flames in Calgary. And, and unfortunately, now you're seeing that Chris Tanev, after a continuous, you know, yes, they're, they're still in the mix. They're still in the hunt. But I think if the, uh, um, the reality strikes in, you know, at 33 years old, it might be time to, to move on from Chris Tanev and try and see where you can bring in the prospects. But one big thing about Chris Tanev is he's really, really committed to playing for a winner. Yes. He he's been a winning player, a gritty core locker room guy his entire career. And he's always had a playing style that fits the playoffs, and he's never really been on a contender. 
Um, and so that's something that's really important to him, especially at 33, right? This might be the last kind of peak of his play and value. And there's been a lot of rumors about Toronto. Um, I, I think I think he, you know, all the talk of Boston's about the center ice position. I think Tanev would be a really good fit back there. I just I don't think they have the balls to move to move to move on from you know, Colorado's. We talked about another team with this. Well, everyone this guy. wants Tanev. I think every New team Jersey. Uh, Shot block, even, absolute sponge. Even a big rumor I'm hearing is that Ottawa wants him, and their goal is to trade for him and convince him that they can win next year. And season. extend him, yeah. Um, That'd be crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this is a guy who's only missed 20 games in four seasons. It, it is a guy who you'd love to who see. Who blocks a shitload of shots. Like, 20 games in four seasons for him is a hell of a lot more than 20 games in four seasons for men, every, any other player. Right, 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 right. No, absolutely. And so, it, you know, it's, it, the, the point stuff is it's not there, but you know what you're getting with uh with a guy like Chris Tanner. Just look at that smile. Oh, yeah. You know, he and his brother, best pictures in the, the player profiles. He's, he's an ideal second pairing defenseman. He is. And Number four. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. A name that's not on the list, I talked about it last week, is Scandella. I think Scandella fits a similar mold of a Tanev, right? Tanev's a little higher on that scale, but um, I, I like Scandella to me would be like an ideal fifth defenseman. Um, but I, I like that kind of number four D man. That's an important piece. We, we, you know, our whole podcast is built on the core third line of an NA, of a Stanley Cup team, and that fourth fifth defenseman bit. That's almost the third line of the D pair because it's you know because yeah the, you know what I mean. Like those are the well, penalty killing specialists. Those are the eighteen minute, fifteen to eighteen yeah, minute of the game defenseman. What's oh. interesting though is the defensive market. Like if you're looking to trade for a defenseman, it's like I think pretty strong right now. Um, we, we mentioned Hannafin, we'll get to him, and then, like, Chikrin is now on the market again. Yeah. Um, so there's there's attainable assets on defense that, like, it's almost like it's a little bit oversaturated. Um, so I, I don't know how many get moved. I think teams are going to be looking for more than they're going to be offered. Oh, and it's been interesting, I think, through, and I don't know, the, the rumor was already disputed by uh, Zadorov's agent, but when Vancouver made the move for Zadorov, they were like, all right, well, maybe Tanov is still part of that piece. If they... They're able to move on from uh, Kuzmenko's uh, five five, I think, uh, with one more year on it. Then maybe you look at potentially uh, Vancouver revisiting this 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 topic and and uh, Vancouver apparently may move Zadorov. And they may already. move. Yep, exactly. And they're they're already potentially unhappy with what they're seeing from Nikita Zadorov. But the other thing in Vancouver is they could work a pretty a pretty attractive pretty, deal, a pretty cool three team deal that gets um, uh, that gets Kuzmenko's contract off off their books, yep. they trade picks, and they get you know a player that fits what they're trying to do. Could be a Tanev. Kuzmenko looks like he's going to get moved because of what he can create on the trade market. Right. Oh, that's where I think you know you look at these big teams. And even though Kuzmenko's numbers are dog shit this year, I don't think there's any doubt about his ability to score and produce in this league. Would you think well, no, a... Teams will take him as an asset and they'll take the contract. Uh, so it's, it's the ideal thing for a team that seemingly doesn't really have a place for him at the moment. And yeah, you're right. No, you're right. It's it's it feels crazy to say you don't have place on the on the roster for a guy who scored 39 goals last year, but that's what they're at right now because everyone else is producing, and they're trying to play a much you know kind of stricter, tighter system game. Well, and I know we're going down the list, but that's where I, I think you know the Canucks are going to be the most intriguing team because I think they have the most pieces that they can move, and and if you're looking at the big value. Uh, target it, it could be that it goes to Vancouver. It just you probably wouldn't be in the forward fashion, but in the the deep hunt, uh, would you go on and try and bring in a, a 26 year old Noah Hannafin, um, who was touted as a high prospect coming in? A high, was he a first overall? He, no, he was like fifth overall, but he was very high, top five, very high. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you know he, 
There's another guy, as we talked about, uh, with the contract extension fails uh, with uh, with Calgary. I think you look at it, and if you look at the two of Tanev and uh, and Hannafin, you would think Hannafin, given the age, is probably the guy that would that would be more attractive to to signing. But I think in terms of a culture, you like Tanev a little bit more. Not that Hannafin's like a bad locker room no, guy, no, right? No, it's, it's just, just like, it's like a, you said, Tanev. He puts his body on the line to win hockey games. Yeah, and and the, Hannafin's a really appealing player. Right, you mentioned his age, twenty six years old. He's gigantic. Right? I mean, not gigantic. He's, he's what six four, and he moves mm-hmm. and he skates that well. He plays a really calm game with the puck. Makes very just good standard decisions. You don't see him on like he doesn't have that jump off the screen kind of game um, that perhaps some teams thought he he would reach. But he is rock solid. He's big. He skates very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, over his career. Maybe with the Canes, he had some playoff time, and like he, I guess he's he's been in playoff scenarios, right? Um, and th- I think that the issue with Hannafin that uh, that I've heard is his name's been floated since the off season is concerns about where he wants to play next year, and and you know unrestricted free well, agency and the the how that can impact his trade value because Team A might be willing to pay more for Hannafin. Because they think they can extend him, then Team B, who doesn't doesn't think they can extend him, so now you're sort of shortening your list there for maximum return. And I don't know the no movement clause situation and whether he can well, impact that. I, I, that 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 part. Of and he's taken a bit of a gamble on himself. You know, the, the reports are that he turned down a, a seven year, fifty million dollar contract for about seven one. He wants to get out of Canada. He's, he's done paying those taxes. And so that's where you know, yes, taxes do end up coming into play with everything, but. He's from um, Boston. He's from the East Coast. He's playing up in Calgary. But how much? That's a factor. It's a little bit of a growth. You thing. think he's he's seven eight? Probably yeah, yeah. Hannafin extend. Hannafin has a UFA army seven eight mil. Yeah, probably. You eight would mil. think well, actually. It, I don't know. McAvoy just signed for nine and a half. Hannafin's not a, a million and a half less. I think he's an eight mil player. So 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 all right. I think Hampus Lindholm's a pretty good comp for for Hannafin. Is Hannafin right shot left shot left. Okay, left. so just. For our listeners, there's a lot more left shot defensemen than right shot yeah. defensemen, so that is an important distinction. Um, and I don't know, McAvoy's a right shot making nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I know it's eight year term. I know his hometown. You know, I don't know about discount, but you know, extension from the team that drafted him and all of those factors where he's kind of settled. And there's sort of other factors about life and you know building a life with a team. And there's some human aspects to that number. Um, but if Hannafin's going to be eight. He might be. I mean, he just might be because he's hitting UFA at the right time with the cap cap going up. Um, that just might be the reality of it. But uh, he, he's an interesting, compelling player. I just I'm a little skeptical he gets moved to deadline just because of what it might take and because of the UFA and, and his pending bias about where he plays next. Whereas I think Tanev is like, dude, get me on a contender. I want to win a mm-hmm. cup. Yeah. Well, I think fair. I'm skeptical about anyone in Calgary getting traded because they're going to ask a price that is more than a rental for rentals. That's, they're going to ask for a rental with the assumption that that team will sign them. Um, and I don't think teams are going to be willing to pony up for that. Maybe they will. I don't think so. It's, I mean, it's, it's, trade deadline in the NHL, I think it's the best trade deadline in sports. It's fun. I mean, baseball you know, used to be pretty cool, but baseball nobody does anything. No yeah, I mean, the NBA exactly. is the craziest one. I thought this was an active. Uh, most trades, yeah. Really? They also have, like, superstars traded. That's the thing. Yeah. They have MVPs getting traded. Yeah, we're fucked the NBA. I know. I'm just um, saying. We ready to talk Adam Henrique? We can talk Adam Henrique. Yeah. 
being tossed around a lot. I mean, face-off demon. Uh, so, again. We I, talked about him last week, too, but he's been in rumors. Not to go full Bruins, but they've been getting, despite their success, they've been getting eaten alive in the face-off dot. They're, they're, all, their, all their team stats are, like, top five pretty much across the board. You look at face-offs, they're, like, bottom ten. Um, and that's something that we know is has an elevated importance, especially in playoffs. Um, and Henrique is, I don't know if he fits Boston, especially with that cap number. Uh, to me, the obvious thing in Boston, especially with 5825, right? That's his deal right now coming up is it's like the only way that can work in Boston is moving, uh, excuse me, um, moving, move, moving Grizzly and picks. And like Grizzly and picks is really there because of their cap situation for the rest of this year. And just for our Bruins fans, listeners, like I think they went into this season saying it's going to be a bridge season and their success has obviously outpaced that they have all these one year veteran deals, Shattenkirk, Van Riemsdyk up and down. Um, and it's, it's, I just, I, I'm very, I'm very skeptical that they're going to make a, a, a big splash at this deadline because I think they're seeing an overachieving team and a ton of cap space coming up. Um, because the real pieces that they need to move to bring in a significant player involve taking a significant player off the roster Correct. and they don't have the balls to deal with DeBrusque, who's also a UFA who they're going to treat like a rental fucking asshole um and then it's i mentioned grizzly kind of pile of picks they don't even have the picks to move and i don't think they want to um so they might just eat the end of grizzly or, or work out some kind of a buyout this off season um off off unfortunately the bruins tangent here but the very last thing is if they had any balls they would make a real hockey trade for somebody like hannafin and move lintel henrik uh, last year unfortunately Hampus got, lintel got hurt at the uh, end of the season more on him and loose change but yeah, Henry got hurt at the end of the last season, and apparently uh, the big team that was in the conversation, if he was healthy, uh, last deadline was uh, Pete DeBoer and the uh, Dallas Stars as, uh, as uh, Henry came into the league while DeBoer was in New Jersey. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I hear you. I think 5'8's a tough number, especially for Boston, to try and make that work. Uh, but it, it's, I don't know, it's tough. I mean, do you see Anaheim taking, how many, you can't take more than 40% in terms of... Uh, on a contract, there's a fifty. Uh, I didn't know that. I thought you could retain. Uh, I thought you could. Retain I don't think it. you could. Can, can I mean, not hundred percent, but I thought you could retain more than forty. But I, I, I know at least deals have been done. At 50%. This is where I think a te- the the Ducks have to retain money for for Henry to. Yeah, but they will. No, I understand. I understand that. I understand that. I'm just saying it's for Boston to absolutely have to make that work. It has to be a, a chunk of change. We got some uh, breaking news from Elliot Friedman. Oh, no trade announced, but. Talks have intensified between Vancouver and Calgary for Elias Lintel. Wow. 22 minutes ago. Wow. A freed bomb. Freed it bomb. really feels like uh, Kuzmenko a could be bomb. The, uh, that guy that goes in that one. I don't know. That, it's, it's, that's a hot pending topic. Oh, I think Lindholm would open up that lineup. It'd be a fun piece thing. Uh, do we want to get into uh, Nick Dowd? <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, I will say I will say this good grinder for, termite type of guy Nick Dowd apparently I, I read a report it might have been from Friedman that he's going to be one of the most sought after guys and not that he's going to go for the most but that for his price for his the most teams are going to be interested role, a lot of teams want him mm-hmm. um, so that'll be interesting the Caps have kind of you know not been on their weird ass bender that they were on at the beginning of the year <laughs> that really didn't make any statistical sense that they were just on CFL bro yeah Let's talk a little Jacob Chikrin. You know, we've talked about the Sens and their problems. 
Uh, we've we've seen the failure that it has been. Chikrin's got another year at four six. He's only twenty five years old, but you know this is a guy that's now started to bounce around uh, some teams, and you know it's seemingly like. And I get it. You know all these guys are competitive people, but if you're not winning, Chikrin's going to be unhappy, and that's what's seemingly been the theme. And uh, do you see what what could you potentially see in terms of a Chikrin move here? I think he's probably the best team man on the market. Um... I, I am like I'm continuously impressed by his game. I think his power play would have been impre- he can play both walls on the power play and he can run the power play. I don't know if there's many players in the league that can do that, let alone defensemen. Uh, he's got pretty amazing offensive touch. His stats don't always show it, but he's always been on teams that like he doesn't either. It was like with uh, the Yotes where like they just weren't that good. Or now he's in Ottawa where they're rotating between three guys on the power play and just dysfunctional as a mess. Um, I don't I don't know what his value is at right now. He's having a good year, but like another year off his contract's gone. He's going to get a big ticket when he comes off. There's a lot of teams interested. I know the Red Wings are interested. Um, Toronto, Pittsburgh. Toronto. Uh, apparently Toronto's interested in any defenseman they can get their hands on. But again, yeah, the Rangers. Issue. They feel they they feel like uh, I feel like the like what Toronto's gonna go for is I don't I don't know if they'll be able to get Tan if he is from the Greater Toronto area but um, I feel like they're kind of due to get one or two Philadelphia Flyer plumbers like yeah Sealer um, who's the other guy I don't think they're gonna move I think they like Sealer I know it's weird he's kind of old but like he's such a torts player but it's it's Sealer and who's the other Sean Walker Walker right Sean Walker's gonna come in they're both a couple of plumbers they're, right they're f- Five fifth defenseman. Sean Walker is probably fourth. Fourth, okay. And he has a lot of value too. A lot of teams want Sean Walker. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, but I mean, Chikrin, I think he's gonna, and I think teams. There's the the interesting thing with Chikrin. It's not just gonna be the, like the top teams that want him. He's not a rental, and I think if you can get Chikrin and show that you might contend soon, uh, his value is gonna be like, I don't know, a lot more teams are gonna be out there trying to acquire him. Uh, great shot, pretty sound defensively. You know, not the best defender, but pretty good. And just really talented offensively. I mean, like, you can score in a lot of different ways, pass the puck well. Who's this? Chikrin. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's, like, a very good player. Ch- to me, Chikrin and uh, Chikrin and Hannafin are, are pretty good comps. Uh, but the difference is Chikrin's already got the contract extension. Right. So there's already turned. No, he's one more he's year. One more year. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Thanks. Good correction, boys. Um, all right. So that's a big difference. Is that he's got one more year versus um, Hannafin being a UFA? But mm-hmm. you know, they're both big guys. I think Chikrin's got the edge in skill, but I think Hannafin's got the edge in sound, simpler, less mistakes. I think so. Um, so yeah. I also um, think I don't know if he can. It's a hot tamale, though. I mean, Chikrin's a big ad. We talked about the Chikrin deal last year as a franchise-altering move for Ottawa, and. You know, I, I'm not putting all the blame on Chicken. Certainly, he doesn't deserve that for everything that's gone wrong in Ottawa. But things haven't worked out in Ottawa. In Ottawa. I think yeah. it's just a cultural mess. But uh, um, yeah, I also think I think he can play right side. I don't know if he has, but his skill Chikrin? profile makes me think Chikrin? he can play right side. No, he can, and he has. He can, and he has. He and Shabbat are both kind of two way. Like they both play both sides. Um, Shabbat, I mean, his big scoring year. I think he was playing the offside. Yeah. Um, and so I've seen the two of them out there where. You know, 
Shabbat's lined up on the offside, but the two of them skate so much that they often switch. Um, And so he's shown that competency. But I feel like some coaches and some teams are really weird about slotting in their defensemen with the right shot, left shot, and, like, having everybody on their strong side. I will say New York, a Truba-Chikrin combo would be pretty cool. Or even Chikrin-Fox, I mean. Well, Fox and Lindgren are a pretty set pair. They, they, yeah, they've they've got can, such a complimentary game. second pair can be Chikrin, Truba. Jeez. What about, what about, I mean, Truba, Keandre Miller is pretty yeah. sick. No, they've got options. What about, um, what about Schneider? Chikrin, Chikrin, Jeff Petrie? <laughs> final, final, you thought about that one? Final, final trade uh, trade deadline thoughts as we uh, keep the, the, the boat on moving. My final deadline thoughts are about the bottom of this list. And um, honestly... I've talked about him, Jordan Greenway. I mean, he's been a disaster in Buffalo. His value is very low. It might cost you, what, a fourth-round pick? Um, But he's a guy, if you can get through to him and convince him to not take bad penalties, I think he's got a lot to offer a playoff team. Being physical, being mean, hurting opponents in a playoff series, and and being really engaged in killing penalties, he's shown that he can do that in the NHL. He's not going to have a chance to do that in Buffalo, and... Um, I think he's a compelling piece to me for a team that wants to get bigger and meaner um, for a playoff series that has not a lot of holes. So teams that fit that criteria. Um, I think most teams would like a guy like him. Edmonton? Maybe, but again, is Edmonton going to make moves? If you're them right now, are you a little concerned about making a move? What, just because they're vibing so hard? <laughs> What, they've won 16 straight. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a really hard time to be like, we need somebody. Maybe New Jersey, New York. Those are two teams that have yeah. had a little softness I, can see them. I think Toronto will always be looking for one of those guys. <sighs> God, Toronto and their inability to figure out the bottom six. It's just scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Toronto would also be either. probably a good fit for that. Yeah. But, yeah, again, I just, Sheldon Keith doesn't play not good players. Like, he only plays the, the fucking elite all-stars. I don't play them. So, I don't, I do. Um, I do. But... I don't know. I don't know. Moving on. All Moving right. on yeah, to Ar- Key and... A- oh. Well, sorry, just... I mean, Army, I, I did green with you. I got any closing thoughts on this? Sorry. You know, my closing thoughts on this trade deadline... Because, like, pretty much everyone I look at is, like, these big assets don't need to be moved, and the teams kind of don't want to move them, but they also think they need to move them. I, I think there's going to be a surprising trade. I think you're going to see somebody we didn't expect go. Um, and then it's... I think it could also be a pretty dud of a... It could easily be a quiet deadline. I mean, it could be a done, you know? Like, there's so many signed. players that are on teams that kind of want to be good next year. And I would say just two thoughts about this list, and then we'll get on, Jack. I get it. Mm-hmm. Number one, I think some of this list is a little bit of clickbait with big names on there because it's early and things are going to change and you got to get the clicks. Number two is I could see a quiet deadline as well, Army, because of all the cap changes, the this, we saw it last year in free agency. We saw it this summer in free agency, right? The slew of one-year contracts that went out. And there's so many great, talented players that are coming up next year conveniently because everybody knows the cap's going up. So, you know, that's a little bit of a math equation that is definitely not our specialty. Um, so that's that, that's kind of my closing thought. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Moving on to the key inactives. Um, this list is growing. It's a painful list. And unfortunately, some of it for injury, some of it, uh, for other things uh, included, but the first one, the big one that uh, hit recently was uh, Philip Heedle of the New York Rangers has hit uh, the season shutdown as uh, as he's been trying to work his way back from concussion issues. Unfortunately, uh, a setback was was deemed in his recovery, and and the best uh, 
Uh, best outlook was to shut him down and get him ready for the 24-25 season. Tough. Tough loss for the New York Rangers. Brutal. And that was Liss's upper body all year. So nobody really saw this coming. This was out of the blue. They're just like, he's done. Uh, Did he fall in practice? I don't know what happened. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened, but it was clearly like under the rug. And, and now it's just... It's one of those injuries, like, this is now, like, a career-concerning injury, you know? It's just what it is, a, a season-long head injury that it's, they did not announce right away. It's just like, oh, this is this is scary and, you know, exactly the opposite of what you want to see for a young, great player. Especially the upside that he's shown on a couple of their playoff yeah. runs. Um, and, like, for the New York Rangers organization, you know, it's a bit slotted in there, right? He's their franchise guy, the number one center. Hedo looking like he can be that great, like like exceptional second line center. We know how important that spot in the roster is. It's a big hole in New York. And it was a huge advantage they had because they had that kid line of Hedo and the two Lafreniere and Kako. What the hell are they going to do with Lafreniere and Kako? I think Kako is on the trade block. Kako is on the block. Lafreniere, I think, has established himself because of how he's played with the the Trochek Panera. I was going to say maybe if the Blackhawks weren't dickheads about Jason Dickinson, they could have traded him for Kako. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. That would be a trade that would make sense. Yeah, I, I, I can I see Kako going for, like... Big Halloween guys. Big Halloween guys on Madison. Kako huh? for Monaghan. Just giving out candy. Fill in the bags. Moving down the list, Patrick Laine has uh, has announced he's hit the Players Assistance Program. Uh, unfortunate, another tor- uh, turn of events for, for the uh, for the forward. You know, yes, it was uh, it was tough as he got uh, sent to, to Columbus and... You know, it's been a, an off year as we have talked about uh, health scratch or health uh, healthy scratches and and issues surrounding uh, line A and, and what's gone on. It seems like uh, Columbus is is finding uh, their their locker room to be playing. You know, it, it's a guy you don't want out of the lineup, but it seemingly they've racked up a few wins. I think of the last week, so it's it's been interesting stuff. But Patrick Line hits the players' assistance program. Uh, hopeful to see him try and rebound his career as it's getting to the point where. You might be able to start writing off, uh, writing off the tall forward. You know, I, well, you go ahead, Arm. Well, I think this could be good for him. I, I have not seen him be himself at all in Columbus. Uh, it seemed like something has been off mentally there the whole time. And he's a guy who's shown like excitement and flair to his game and top tier talent. It, ever since he's been in Columbus, I've like I've never seen a good vibe from him as a player. And I, I, I don't know, like this is why I say this could be a good thing. You know, maybe get the head right. Uh, figure some things out. He's under a bunch of scrutiny. That Columbus team is kind of locked in with him and Gaudreau. Um, but I, I, I hope for the best for him because, like, I, I think he gets sometimes a bad rap because of his. I think partially because of his face, you know, kind of looks disinterested sometimes. <laughs> the not, turtleneck, not the turtleneck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like, no, but like the guy with so much talent underperforming, and then he kind of just looks disgruntled. You know, hopefully he can figure it out and get back on track. And he's not a high-motor player. My thing with, with Lyon, right, we obviously want anybody that goes in the player program, we want them to get right and figure out what they need, et cetera. So I'm not going to dogpile on the human being. Um, but he's approached a territory to me of just yawn. Like, I just, I don't see, I don't see a world that involves Patrick Lyon playing a meaningful role in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I just, I just don't see that happening. Um, and you know, again, I hope he gets better and he can be the player that he is because I mean, he can roll out of bed into 30 goals, um, and, and possibly more. Um, yeah, so, more, yeah. you know, he, he can be that kind of 90 point guy. I think, I think he's still got that, but not the, not the fleetest of foot. Um, obviously there's not much of a 200 foot game and, you know, he's got to sort out some human being topics other than hockey. And I think there's enough you know issues on the hockey side that, 
I'm 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 kind of done talking about Line A until he's until he's back, which is I hear you. Seems, I just hope he comes back and plays well. I think yeah. it's good. Like he's a player that it's really fun to watch when he's on. Yeah, it's uh, a hell of a shot. Unfortunately, the uh, injury woos would not end there as Adam Fantilli there. There's their star Woo! star rookie uh, center. The injury uh, woes has hit the IR for the next eight weeks. Did you say or eight six, weeks? Eight, six to eight weeks with a uh, uh, a small skate cut in the calf. He immediately uh, exited the locker room and, and off the ice. And unfortunately, as you've seen with uh, with other incidents in the game of, uh, of hockey, these skates are sharp, and you know it is a fast and, and dangerous moving game. And unfortunately, uh, you know a player gets cut, and we saw this situation with Evander Kane last year who. Um, who got it in the wrist, and he missed some serious time after trying to repair from that. He didn't look himself in the playoffs either. Nope, came back. nope, nope. So it's something uh, I think they're, they're realizing, yes, we're out of it. Um, do we tank a little bit more? Sure, that's fine. Uh, but also let's make sure we get our star center, uh, rookie center, our face of the franchise potentially back healthy and strong if, if he does see, uh, see some ice time before the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, tough blow. A, a seemingly innocuous play, and then you see Fantilli go down, and it was kind of like... Like it, it had like kind of a vibe of like a non-contact mm -hmm. NFL ACL to me. And I was like, did he just like tweak his knee or ankle or something? And then you learn he got cut, but you didn't see the cut at all on the ice. You don't see really where the skate gets him. But uh, yeah, tough blow, tough blow. Not not what you want to see. And you know, I don't think I understood how bad skate injuries can be. To like obviously not like the head and neck area. We know how bad that can be. Um, but, like, the Vander Kane one where it took him a while to get back surprised me last year. I thought, like, that's just something you come back from. But, no, these are, these are I guess, su not surprisingly pretty serious injuries. Right. Not a doctor. But, like, when you get the tendons involved, right, sometimes there's, yeah. like, a retraining of how that works. Um, that it could be, like, a lot of rehab because you might be physically healthy, but your muscle memory might be totally out of whack because you haven't been able to use, you know, the muscles in your lower leg yeah. or, or hand, you know, with the Kane situation. Um, one final Oatsism, Adam Oates revealed that, you know, he, he had a wrist injury that dealt with tendons in his career. And he, that's why he modified his stick was because he never really got back the same mobility mm -hmm. to that hand, you know, still put in something like 40, 40 points and 40 goals and like 150 points. Like some of his career highs were scored afterwards because he's a fucking genius. But, um, point there being, I'm with you army, weird play, tough break for Fantilli, tough break for Columbus. Just another reason not to watch the Columbus Blue Jackets the rest of the year, um, but uh, hoping hoping he can get back on the rails and uh, lacerated calf is what, it, what it is. Um, yeah. Hey, for your Calder Calder prop uh, betting uh, people out there, Brock Faber is only four points behind Connor Bedard to pass him for for rookie He's points. Win. Yeah, I don't know what the live futures line and is. This on, is on another guy who uh, who's unfortunately out of the race. I'm telling you, if Faber's right plus money, bet him right now. Yeah, you should. Win. Yep, that's my point. Is trying to give you know a little bit of advice. Not that I have any to give really. Um, <laughs> final one of the night for uh, for the key uh, key inactives. It's Patrick Kane. We've talked about how he had a lower body injury. Uh, he did give a uh, interview in the media today before uh, before the Red Wings game today, stating that it had nothing to do with the hip, and he was he was very relieved to see that it wasn't the hip. But unfortunately, uh, it's another one of those nagging not nagging but um, injuries that he felt like. Uh, um, it was maybe maybe a key to being you know 34 years old and, and the legs have been there for as long as he has that it's just one of those maintenance things but unfortunately it's kept him out for a bit longer than what the Red Wings have hoped but don't look now but the Wings have, have uh, they've come off and rattled off 7-2-1 and one out of their last 10 so it's it's an interesting little you know the Kane slotted in you know the hype was there the Wings kind of stumbled and now 
out of the lineup. Uh, Army has our wings guy. Are you excited to have him back? Are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a pretty big misnomer that Kane is why they're playing well right now. Um, I'm not saying that's the. I'm not. He was I'm there for a lot of the them way. playing well. Uh, and then he, got he was there out of the break, um, out of like in the New Year's. He's going to come back and be a difference maker. He's been pretty much a point of game player so far. He's not that injured. They're they're being cautious because it's what like 35 year old Kane coming off of his hip. They're not trying to test him, especially when they're playing well. Like yeah, I'll tell you what, if this game tonight against Ottawa was like not that it doesn't mean like it's an important game still but if they were fumbling right now Kane would have been back earlier this one game before all-star break I don't think so bro I think he would I think he would have been back I think he could have played five I don't think he had to miss time for this fair enough I think he's missed, my point I think, he missed eight games is what it's I know be. but I'm saying playoffs he was not missing any of those games yeah this All is right. them being cautious yeah. and just saying it's Kane let's let him come back fair I like enough. it I like it I like it um, that is key and actives who are the guys that are out those are the guys that are out well, hopefully uh, for some of those that are on uh, the assistance programs, hopeful returns and hopeful uh, recoveries. And, and for the guys that are on the injury reserve, uh, hopeful recoveries on that front. As a future pod note, all future trade deadline talks will come after injury updates across the league. That's fine. That's fine. We can do that. Loose change, boys. Loose change. Uh, the always uh, annual, not annual, but weekly recap of, uh, of what has happened in the national with the games. And, and I know the boys have done uh, done their research, so I'm excited to get into uh to lose change for this week. Who wants to lead us off? Alex, why don't you lead us off this week? If you, if you got... Yeah, I have a couple. I don't have, I don't have too much, but I have a couple. Um, hold on, let me get to this. First off, I have an apology. Andrew Kopp has been playing good hockey, and he had a great quote that won me over a little bit. I, he's still a horrible contract, but... Uh, so he scores his 100th career goal, and he's been playing... I can't believe we missed that milestone on the pod, Jack. Well, we didn't. We're talking about it. Um... <laughs> But he's been Don't moved, to, this, got, he's been moved to the third line center, which is where he's been, but they've really given him a grind line with this kid, Christian Fisher, who's, you know, I'm really happy with this game. Just Not a kid, but that's okay. I know, but, like, he plays like a kid, you know. He plays like he's fresh out of college. Um, he just, like, buzzes around in Michael Rasmussen, and they've just been a, a pretty shut-down third line, which the Wings have not had in, like, 10 years, you know. I don't, I don't remember the last time we've had like a line that looks like they could be a true shutdown line. Draper helm. <laughs> like that's like the last one, like the helm abdicator lines were the last one. <laughs> abdicator. Um, so he 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 looks good. Uh, happy to see that. But he scores his hundredth goal. They interview him after the game, and he looks like heated coming off a win, scoring his hundredth goal. Like, how do you feel about scoring the hundredth goal? He's like, I don't fucking care. Like. You know, the only thing I care about is the next hundred need to come faster. <laughs> and it was him kind of being like, look, I know I've been dog shit since I got to Detroit. It's time for me to step on my game. And credit to him, he has. And he's looked he's looked better. So, I'm sorry, Andrew Kopp. Maybe you listened to me. Maybe this was part of the turnaround. Maybe this is why you were so mad. Some of those anonymous emails we're getting. Maybe, you know, the coppers checking in. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he's in there. So, good on him. Um, yeah. Other notes... I talked about Christian Fisher, one of his uh, key plays of the week. He drove the net and just completely snowplowed. I forget who the goalie was, but just snow straight in the face. That was an effective screen because the puck went in. Simultaneous to the puck arriving on the shot. Yeah, I mean, he just, like, I haven't seen that play executed that often. If it comes before the shot, is it a penalty? No. No, it's not a penalty. There's nothing illegal about snow. I think this should be executed more often. Yeah. It should be pretty easy for an NHL player to snow somebody in the face. Um, so I'd like to see that more often. Um, hopefully Christian Fisher does it too, because like he knows he can be effective with it now. Um, 
Last one, just Clem Costin note. Uh, playing the Flyers the other day, gets a little chippy. Delorier comes out. It's like one of the most hilarious shifts. Uh, Mickey Redmond's on the call. He's like, watch out for Delorier. And you just see Delorier just like floating around between every. Like he goes up to every player on the ice trying to fight. Um, and finally finds Clem Costin. They go down, throw down. Delorier, I think, kind of won, but it was a heavyweight battle and it was close. Dude, so uh, I'm. it's really funny you mentioned that. I just saw a, a, a Clem Costin shift that was just like, Jesus, he heavy. Um, Kevin Bieksa did an interview. Uh, he, you know, he's on TV all the time now. But uh, one of the questions asked was, who's who's one of the most underrated uh, fighters in the league? Who's like one of the sneakiest heavies? He said Clint Costin's up there because he's built like a brick shit house. Apparently, he trains in Russia in the off season with like MMA guys. Yes, this was uh, this was my next point. Clint Costin's off season trainers with MMA dudes in Russia. Dude, imagine is- an imagine an MMA workout in in the Eastern Bloc out there. Holy shit. And Clem's there, and they're like, oh, you got a fight coming up? He's like, yeah, DeLorean. Just like cement <laughs> basements and just like a lot of lo- lot of work with chains and against cement walls and like... Yeah, like you, what you'd expect of fighters, not Clem Clawson, but I, I love it, you know? It adds the to the war of Clem. Training in the Unfortunately, gulag. Unfortunately, uh, it is an unsportsmanlike uh, penalty. It's more of he said, she said type of uh, feel it out for, for the officials. That's snowing the goalie for our listeners that were just caught up in the dialogue, not Googling on fucking line. Yeah, I mean, okay. Prove it to me that I intentionally snow the goalie. I was stopping him from the net. I think it's really blatantly obvious. If the goalie has the puck and it's, if you get snowed. If the goalie the has the puck. The big, so that's the different. Big, that's different. That's different. crashing the net and stop. Depends. But in, the, in the context of a play like that, I think it, like, it would be a really controversial call. I, I, you don't need to snow. The snow in the goalie when he's on the ice is just rude. Uh, when, when he freezes the, value, the puck, when he freezes yeah, the puck, that's, that's, that's a penalty. Uh, but stopping in front of the neck where the they just they have it in the rule book. That's all I'm telling you. Different situation, but understood. Um, next game note. This was interesting. I was listening to Thirty Two Thoughts, which was a pretty bad episode this week because they were just talking about referees. But this was an interesting point. They talk about a John Tavares play where he's in front of the net, and they, I forget the, it's the goalie who slashes him. And his stick breaks, right? So that it's means he has to go to the bench. The right? defenseman, defenseman. It is. Regardless of who slashed okay. him, he got slashed. He gets slashed in front. His stick breaks. Looks at the ref. Looks at the ref and gets the call then. Inac- inaccurate yeah, reporting. Yes, yes. His stick gets slashed. It's broken in his hands, but he he he. It's, it's still intact. It's not shattered. He flexes the stick. It snaps in half. He looks at the ref. He gets the call. Yes. How do we feel about that? Jack first. Not great. Not great. I think, you know, it's babying of, uh, especially this was away or it was Toronto home or away. Do we know? I don't know. Uh, If this happened in the Toronto building, I think even worse. I just, I don't love it. I don't love it at all. I I don't think a player should be able to, uh, uh, you know, I get it. But looking at the play, it was a one. I think he came over one. No, I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. Okay. Of all my criticisms of referees, when you take away another player's stick, like that needs to be a penalty. It just needs to be. And it's not a drop stick. That's totally not, doesn't need to be called a slash. Don't get me started. Hold on to your fucking sticks. Yes. All right. But but when the stick breaks, right, when you like yeah. disqualify the other, like that just needs to be called. And so in this case, uh, the guy broke his stick. The ref just couldn't see it until he snapped it. He snapped it. He got the call. Veteran move. I, I think right play by Tavares because otherwise, what's his alternative? Stay in the game, get the puck, and blow an offensive possession because you can't handle it? Or snap the stick, make a scene, and you either have like you either have your shit list to the ref that your coach is lobbying him on, lobbying him on, lobbying him on. You get the next call, or you get the call right then and there. So I, I think it's a smart play by Tavares. I think it's the right call by the officials, and I don't have a problem with it at all. 
I don't either. I think it's fine because it's like, like you said, you're taking a player out of the play. That should probably be a penalty, you know? It would have been pretty fucking funny if they called Tavares for embellishment. If they called slashing him <laughs> embellishment. That would yeah, have been really funny. Been funny. Also, uh, it still needs if to it be wasn't Tavares, like if it was if it was like Zegris or like some like young punk, like, like it might have been a different thing, but Tavares is a pretty respected vet. Yeah, and it also should still be a slash, you know? It's like it, it, it shouldn't be like just like random, oh my stick broke. You know? I, I, the only the, the final point there on the sticks breaking, it's like you gotta continue to monitor it as the stick technology goes yep. crazy. But at the same time, it's like that you, know, you do business as business is done. And right. the business of the NHL is they make these fucking crazy sticks and they break sometimes. And when you disable a player I by breaking a stick, you, you got to go to the box. And you I get it. You can't have them running around with the chopped lumber. Yeah, that's just crazy. Yes. Uh, I get it that, you know, yes, you want that, that police team you want it called and it should be. But I just, I didn't like the delay. I mean, I, I get it. You know, he needed well, to see. the ref learned more about it. I know. But if the stick wasn't broken and he flexed it in front of him, it just then the play, the, the is play wouldn't penalty. Could, would it continue? I don't know. I just, I, I, yes, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. Because, be, because, I don't know. I just didn't like the one Mississippi, two Mississippi, Army, three Mississippi Army, call. The other point on Jack's kind of bullshit argument is that when, when is, is it when breaking an opponent's stick is a penalty for slashing, it, you're not penalizing the action. It's not like it had to be a tomahawk chop. You're penalizing the outcome. And so yeah. he made the outcome obvious, and they made the call. Yes, and there's some, there's some Thank small. You for clar- Thank you for. I know you always got my back. At well, least that's what it is. Clarifying things, and I'm okay with. You don't that. have my back on this point, but I understand what you're. Yes, but there's also know. there's also not like there's there's wax that are not slashes that break sticks. Those should not be called. Because I mean, when you when you when you smack down on a stick, oftentimes it doesn't get called. And I'm fine with that. Well, I mean, a lot of the slashes that are called in today's NHL drive me up a wall. I know. But when a stick breaks, it, you got to call it. And we also have a precedent for it, like. Think about high sticking. That's an outcome-based call. Right. The two to four minutes is outcome-based. Which I'd like to see a lot more embellishment called on high sticking moving forward. But... Sure. Uh, well, moving on. What are we on? You got anything else? No, that's all I really got. I mean, there wasn't that much hockey since... No, it's been a week. Re- you been know? a week, week. Um, oh, I will say Tampa looks really dangerous. They're finding their stride. I mean, Kucherov is just so deadly. Uh, Eight, I, two I, in the I last am... ten. We talked about Tampa when they weren't playing well, and we were like, look, they have a little bit too much grit. Like, not too much grit, but, like, too much of that type of player. Top-heavy scoring. Yeah. I'm still concerned about that. Well, that's very top-heavy. What we've seen is, you know, in, in, in that week you were, you were referencing of where your, your Red Wings are, they're still in it. They're only two points behind them and still chasing. Um, and now it's come to the point where Toronto's issues have kind of outweighed what they've been able to outscore, and now you're starting to see... Toronto, yes, they're the you know points percentage wise. I think they're ahead of, um, I think they're ahead of the Lightning. But um, you're starting to see Toronto become more normal, and that's allowed I think Tampa Bay to kind of regain that. They have three games. Uh, Toronto has three games um, uh, more to play than uh, Tampa. My John Cooper, uh, my John Cooper, Jack Adams pick maybe, back alive. Maybe, maybe taking a breath of fresh air. Um, that's going to be an interesting team at the deadline because you know, their war chest is pretty barren after all these playoff runs. Yeah. Um, wouldn't be shocked if they had a, a, a couple quiet moves. Um, and it would definitely be shocking if they went out and made a splash. I don't really see on the roster. I, I don't think they happen. need it, but it's just, it's a little bit concerning when you think like if they lose one of the top guns, especially Kucherov, they're in trouble. And I think they need to be targeting that bottom of the, that bottom of the journeyman depth defenseman world. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's I think that's the biggest. Oh, we talked about. It. I mean, I think we saw. Uh, I think it's Calvin in that role right now, and that's just not going to work. I also wouldn't mind like a little sneaky move for like a Kaliev type. I, you know, it's funny. I just thought of Kaliev when you were saying that. And I, 
I just I don't know if he he that would be a that would be a break from uh that would be a break from their historical patterns of, of deadline picks. Oh, this right? is a that would team. be a different type I mean, of guy to pick I also up. will say, similar to Kelly Abnett, it's a good thing the wins are good, because if not, Sprong would be a hot commodity right now. That yeah. type of that type of cheap cheap goal fourth line cheap goal, you know, doesn't need a big role guy. Oh, to I think a lot of teams could use him. To your point about Tampa and with moving, I think in terms of the immediate future of picks, it's scarce. I don't know in long term wise if you're looking down the future, but for teams that are looking for for fixes in the the soon future, um, I know this year's uh, this one's I think a Hawks pick this year, and then I don't know about the next year, but that is their first pick tied up. Let's drag the Blackhawks into it. Why not? Okay, Boston. At least your team's good. Lose change. Carolina at Boston. Last Wednesday, uh, after we recorded, caught the, I caught the second and third period of this game because we were recording during period one. Carolina is the exact profile of the team that exposes the fraudulent aspects of the Bruins. It, the way that they forecheck, it, we, we were watching it together and sort of really talk. They're so intentional and they're so aggressive with their, really it's, it's a full court press, the way that they yep. play defense. It's man-to-man in all three zones. And they get in on you and try to pin you in and speed up your decision-making. And the Bruins defensemen that fall into this, that make horrible mistakes and lose playoff series are Hampus Lindholm, Matt Grizzlick, um, and those guys were on display. Shattenkirk, I mean, he's another guy that fits that profile. That was really scary. And uh, I missed the first period, apparently. But the second period was complete domination by Carolina. Apparently, the first period was the exact same. So they're down just 2-0, when I think it probably could have been 4-5-0, because they're getting great goaltending. Um, and then they storm, but the Bruins storm back in the third. Two goals from Marchand. Um, in that game, he was playing on a line with Coyle and Trent Frederick. Trent Frederick has taken a huge step this year. We haven't mm-hmm. talked as much about him as I think he deserves. Um, he's been good. And he's taking a really big step. And he's another guy that's contracts up coming around and it's going to be hard to kind of figure that out he's somewhere in the 16 to 25 goal range somewhere in the 40 to 55 point range that kind of looks to be his ceiling but it brings so much more to that game too and the jury's still out on whether he's a center or a wing i think he's probably a wing he's probably a third middle six wing um but he's got some versatility there he can take draws but that line was awesome and then what do i see is you know, they, they keep putting Pasternak on that wing and have it be Pasternak, um, Pasternak, Marsha, and Coyle. And it's just, I hate them front-loading because Pasternak's proven he can drive a line offensively. So, you know, separate Pasternak and Marshand. I think that's just a better lineup and a better depth. But So the Bruins had a gritty kind of comeback, and they showed that they're always a tough out um, in that third period. But that brought up a lot of concerns about it was just it was it was to a point all the things that I've complained about as they win, and you guys laugh at me. So I just wanted to call that out. I have a question about Carolina because the more I watch them, the more I question this. That the forecheck is unbelievable, and their whole like dump and chase is the best in hockey. Um, how much do you think it limits like their ability to be creative offensively? Because like we talk about them like, and I think they do have some like skilled offensive players. But you don't really see them doing that, like mm-hmm. outside of the power play, playing that skilled game. You see more like they dump it down low and they wear, make a skilled wear play, and, right? Wearing grass, you, grindy out. But it seems like that's the only mode they can go in, given their structure. All Brenda Moore style. Well, August and that is they haven't had a problem scoring goals this year. I know uh, they've had problems between their own pipes, I know. Um, but I think they're they're a really sneaky team to watch come playoffs. 
They've been obviously knocking on the door the past few years, and they've had uncharacteristic regular season struggles this year. Yeah. And so that's a team that fits a profile that I've talked a lot about on the pod that I like. They've had the adversity. They're figuring things out. They need to tackle what's going on in net. That's probably their deadline focus. Yeah, we didn't talk about goalies at the deadline, but Carolina is prime for a goal. Well, the big the big goalie on the on the market is Marc Andre Fleury. In terms of <laughs> no, the, he's not Jake he, Allen. He, he is. He's the he's the most. Markstrom right is, but nobody can afford Markstrom. Um, but uh, no, the update on Freddie Fleury is not going to be a starting goalie for Freddie. No, but Freddie Anderson is apparently back on the ice skating and hopeful that uh, mm-hmm. return is is in the near future. Two teams we talked about last week: Buffalo at LA Kings. Oh, my God. Both teams, complete schizophrenics. Like, complete schizophrenics. Like, L.A. opens up the game, and they look like the L.A. Kings. And Buffalo looks like the Buffalo Sabres. Strong, deep L.A., like, scoring, shutting down, turning defense into offense, up 3-1. to And then they just completely mentally zone out. And Buffalo ramps it up, win the game 5-3, um, ridiculous one-handed slash and call on Kempe at the end of the game that pretty much iced it. Um, but the Deneau, Trevor Moore, Fiala line was dash four. And that was the night, um, that was the night after Dowdy's comments. Jeez, that's not a good response. So I continue to be terrified of, uh, terrified about the Kings and very closely monitoring their, um, really how they try to right this ship mm-hmm. because if the bottom falls out and they just end up sucking and missing the playoffs, I mean, Rob Blake's going to have to make some big overhauls in the offseason that just didn't seem like they don't seem necessary, but something's off in there. Um, and then Buffalo, of course, I call them out, call them the softest team. And what do they do? They win a couple in a row and screw up Saturday picks. Um, all right. Boston at Ottawa uh, caught some of this game. Stutzla quickly becoming one of the biggest divers in the NHL. <laughs> he is. He is, dude. He's a punk-ass bitch. I, he's, I, and he's getting a reputation for this. You know, 90 points last year. He's on pace for almost a point a game this year. He's leading the team, and he's very good. But hey, something was, about his face. He looks like the actor that plays every, like, <laughs> private in the German military in a World War II movie ever. Like, he looks – I see him, and I just see the Nazi helmet in every single movie that's ever been made about World War II. He just he looks exactly like that, but I'm not calling him a bigot or anything. But um, <laughs> his diving is out of control. His bitchiness at the refs. I, I I'm quickly souring on Stutzla, a guy that I've held in very high regard because he's he's an elite player. He is part of well, that. Not other. this year, but he can be, and he's shown that he is. This time. year he's still producing, bro. He was part no, of that he's other not category of player uh, he's most a, punched. He hasn't been a hundred point player, most which by the way, those don't those don't grow on trees. Reminder for I Army. think he was ninety ninety. Um, but um, last... I, but on that point, I was watching a broadcast and they were talking about how players around the league know Stutzla flops. Yeah, oh, it's like a reputation he has gathered in like a short time. He's earned it. He's earned it. And whatever, I'm not going to get into my <laughs> just my note here. Just pasta fucking off all period one first power play one timer one nothing Bruins after they Rest get outshot after they get outshot eight to three. It's just like no complaints. That's that's the Pasternak experience. We're living and dying with it. Um, so in that game, the Bruins actually had a lead, blew a lead. I bet heavy on the Bruins and on the Bruins puck line. Um, that one ultimately ultimately covered my losses because they won it in overtime on a, another Marchand big goal. Who I was on Marchand early in the season. Um, I think kind of somewhere around that Thanksgiving to New Year's range. 
um, where I thought his game was a little off and he was taking too long of shifts, trying to do too much, like doing his little shit, but like losing his little stick battles and possession plays. And holy hell, is he, he's had a great month plus. Um, and he's being an awesome leader. And yep. I am kind of kicking myself for bashing him a little bit earlier but well and i think you know for a guy who's who's been there for chara been there for bergeron and i know he's his role changed and and it has changed it takes a little bit of an adjustment especially when you've been playing with those guys for so long and now he steps into not necessarily that bergeron role for that team but he's looked at as that leader and he's looked at as a guy who needs to produce as much as as anyone else on that roster so it's it's big shoes to fill and i think he's finally getting his his feet feet wet it's just surprising to me that like We've had to prove to Ross this year that Marshawn and Pasternak are great players. He's the one holding out. The Bruins fan who doesn't believe in his two perennial superstars. Like, okay. I mean, you want to talk about the most <laughs> spoiled, spoiled slot shot host. We're, we're, we're sitting next to him here. You never have to convince me on Larkin. Like, what the hell? We're not, we're not, we're, we're not a milestone pod. But Marshawn's also shooting up the Bruins' all-time scoring believe, stuff. Yeah. Believe it. And his Hall of Fame resume is it's growing. Extremely legit. If he stays healthy and he strikes, he's the, he's the kind of guy that's going to play until the wheels come off. Yep. And he's been remarkably healthy, except for the hip surgeries he had, uh, you know, prior to. Um, oh, if things continue. If he can win a cup as as the leader of that Boston team, I think he's a he's a shoe in for sure. It's just, it's just that that whole group, right? Three appearances, one cup. Um, anyway, um, final 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 bit of loose change. A little bit. I caught a little bit of the Devils at the Canes rematch of last postseason. Um, Jesper Bratt caught Dmitry Orlov with a reverse check and really knocked Orlov off his skates. And Orlov's a guy that's gotten a lot of blame in Carolina. It was a little bit of a puzzling signing when they signed him as a UFA. Um, the term, I think he's four years, six and a half, something like that. Coming off of a great, uh, a great regular season run and a not miserable um, series with, you know, uh, with, with Boston last year. And he was a guy that was like... I always liked him. I was ahead of the curve on acquiring him and Bertuzzi last year, just for the record for you listeners out there. Uh, but I've always liked Orlov's game. But he, you notice he's a little – again, the game's gotten so much faster. When he came up with with, uh, with Washington, his foot speed and his hands and feet and, like, his skill set as a defenseman were impressive and were, like, in a, you know, let's say top 25, top 35% of the league. The – toll that the speed of the game and his age has gotten i think he's now closer to the bottom third of the league in that foot speed and uh he struggled with that and this was that was an eye-opening just little thing to see because they call his nickname is a snarl because he plays like he plays so hard he's got a little goodness in him um and that really caught me as something to that was a that was a bit of a whoa orlov's probably off his game a little bit i'm just surprised how much he's fallen off this year and a team that has a system that you don't really like maybe points fall off but you don't see the play you see a lot of players just play well in carolina i don't i don't really get what's going on i just i never got the signing because i love their depth defense the signing didn't make sense Jalen chatfield's a really good player you didn't think he was gonna be bad well, it's the you lowest know. minutes he's played in his career since breaking into uh, the NHL with Washington. And, and it's the most money he's ever made. Yeah. It's weird. I don't I don't really understand it. I, I'm not going to count him out, though. If he has a good playoff or gets going again, like I wouldn't be too surprised. He's a guy. But he's something like 32. He is 32, almost at. Uh, I hear he's, you. He's old, but like he's not like at fall. That's offense. not ancient. Yeah, 32 no, is not played, ancient. He's but... played 750 plus games. A lot of games. A lot of games. I'm just not giving up. Stanley Cup, you know, it, 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 there's a lot. Final loose change note. Uh,. <laughs> 
my boy, the Hall of Famer, Eric Halla, still booed when he plays in Carolina. <laughs> Love it. Amazing. Good amazing. on Carolina. Good for the Caniacs yeah. sticking with the grudge. So goddamn funny. I just, I that was a, a real highlight of the week for me. Just getting a chuckle there. Love, I love a good, love, love a good boober trim. And that wraps up loose change. Jack. That does, that does. Uh, the NHL will pick back action after tonight on Monday um, after the All Star weekend here in Toronto. Um, should be interesting to to see what uh, what transpires in that one. Uh, we'll have uh, as we lean into it as we go into our final segment of the night. What do we have coming up next week as a reminder? I know we talked about it at the beginning of the show, but what is coming up? The Woodshed final colony cuts, and uh, we're going to finalize a roster, a colony. Um, still working out some of the kinks. We mentioned the positional challenge, whether we go forwards, defenseman, goalie, or we, we go, haven't nominated a goalie. So we go. We might go soldier, soldiers, and uh, soldiers and builders. But uh, I, I'm leaning soldiers and builders. But we'll discuss off pod. Um, you it, it's going to be an exciting show. I, I, the the list is complete. Um, is there any I, goalies on it? I don't think there's any goalies. No on goalies there. yet. Um, which, frankly, I don't know that I don't there really should be. If the, if if Ray Emery was we still in the league, league if there's we'll a few guys a that were still in the speed, league. Speed and violence are the two of the biggest keys to Miles's game, and goalies just don't offer those two things. <laughs> All right. Well, I what better way for me to to send us to the All Star uh, break by firing home one uh, one more pick and. And get the scrutiny from the boys. And uh, this one, uh, has Nikita Zaitsev been picked before? No. This guy is a, uh, he's, 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 uh, he's buried in the Chicago Blackhawks organization at this point. He is hurt, but uh, this is not a guy that you want necessarily uh, on your, 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 your top four, maybe even your top six defenseman. Uh, it's a guy who's been in the league for a little while. He's, he's just, he's a losing player in my opinion, but, uh, you know. So why is he a termite? Just I think he brings uh, a little bit of that, you know, that fuck up, that little, uh, you know. There's there's a little bit. I don't know. I just I look at Zaitsev and uh, you know he, he's he's played 26 games this year, 28 last year, 18 the year before. So yes, I know it's limited minutes, uh, but I think this is a guy who's just he's going to transform into more of that termite role as if he wants to stay in the NHL unless he goes back to the KHL. I don't know. You know, I know I'm a panicker up here, and I know I don't have the strongest picks in the world, but I think. Uh, Zaitsev uh, has a little bit of a termite to him. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll make cuts next week. We'll see who uh, see who makes oh, the thank team. You. Who does it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, we, we might want to. Um, I've got every termite pick attributed to the individual that nominated them, so oh, we might uh, we might have to factor in some kind of a Saturday pick standings <sighs> oh, weighted weighted termite of the week. Uh, um, success criteria, but that's again up for debate, and uh, we'll we will solve it all on a. Uh, you know, um, two to two to one majority rules vote next week. Yeah, I haven't watched a lot of Zaitsev. Does he crush people? He's tries got a, to. He's got a little. I mean, it's it's a try and kind of fail. I don't mind that. That's terminated to me. Attempted hits are are valuable, even if you miss. Um, okay, I'll watch some Zaitsev when he comes back. <laughs> I don't know what to tell. Like, uh, no, I love it. I love it. Um, Final closing thoughts before we send her on home. All-star break, boys. Yeah, I do. I looked it up. Uh, I didn't want to interrupt our flow, but uh, Brock Faber plus 350 at the moment for the Calder. I'm going to hammer that. Yeah. Uh, Bedard, still minus 200, which scares me because it kind of seems like the fix is in. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's my only concern about this is they might just pick Bedard if he doesn't play another game. Vegas knows. 
Like it's a scary thought. That's yeah, that's good action. I, we'll we'll take it off pod, but I think I'm gonna tap favor a little more than tap him. Um, we just have to keep pumping the favor hype so people are as excited to get him to win the call. We need to use our platform as media members to drive his candidacy. Because <laughs> everyone else is gonna drive Bedard. Yeah, totally, totally. And you know, the bottom line is that kid. I mean, right, half the right, player right, 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 can't right, even right, avoid right, a fucking final thoughts into the ozone. from Rusty, not Bernard related. All right, it's the All-Star weekend, right? Um, I'm, You know I hate fun. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest All-Star game guy. Um, you know, just this week has been a huge week on the phone with all the clips of the old cool skills challenges and things that they do. And, you know, I, I'd like the NHL to just fucking simplify these skills things and allow the players to go out there with no buckets and just do some of these cool competitions. They had one where it was like, I think I saw the clip of like Tony Amante, Yager, Eric Lindros, it might've been the 1999 All-Star game where they were all, I think they were like, there were like six pucks lined up uh, between the hash marks and you had a goalie in that. And I saw that it was like Hashik and Brodeur and it was East versus West and you had a timer. It was like something like 10 seconds and you had to score as many goals with those six pucks as you could in 10 seconds. That's a cool little quirky skills competition that shows both the scorers and the goalies. Um, I just like them to, to to really lean more into the skills side of the weekend and de-emphasize the game because hockey is a game that you really can't play in an all-star mode. One thing I do like is the skills competition this year has a million dollars to the winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so McCarr came out and said if he wins, the whole defensive core is getting 100K. Sucks to be miles away. Well, right. He's already got his bag. Just another Canadian communist. Um, at the same time, million bucks good. I would propose fourth liner only skills competition. <laughs> million bucks up top. You have to make under a million a year. Oh, so it could Lord. double, more than double your salary. You know. You need to have played at least 20 AHL games to qualify. Every team gets to nominate one player who makes under a million to get it, to go into the competition. And the competitions are like, dump a puck in the corner, come out with it. <laughs> I mean, you. I would love that, but then I also want some like dangle a pylon. <laughs> um, there used to be a drill. Like I had a hockey coach that was a prison guard once upon a time, and he had a drill where all the pucks would go behind the net, or like in the net, but you in the net, but like you would put one puck behind the net um, at the start of the drill, and then you'd have a player on each boards at the blue line, just skate full speed and play a one on one. I would love to see some of these. I <laughs> love it. I mean, I don't know if the NHLPA would get behind that one, but uh, again, I, you just the All Star. I, I, the skills are cool. Um, I'm yeah. I, I might try to catch some of the skills schedule pending, but um, I'm really not interested in the game to be honest with you. But I do like the three on three. The three on three format. I think has been fun. Jack Hughes will not play. Will not be uh, on the ice for. I was hearing the that skills. if Jack Hughes was going to play, that the Devils should suspend him. Which I, I stand by. If he had played, I would have suspended him. <laughs> uh, that wraps up another fantastic episode of Slotshot Podcast. If you want to follow the boys, go follow Rusty at Rusty Pedroia. Go give Armdog a follow at Armdog underscore SS. Give me a follow at Siffyman in the mailbag. Too many to go through to get into tonight, but where can you find us in the mailbag, Rusty? Slotshotpodcast at gmail.com. Perfect, perfect. Well, if you love this content, you like it, hit that like button below. If you love it, hit that subscribe button below. Otherwise... Feel free to tune into the podcast on all listening uh, platforms, and we'll see you guys next week for the Termite Slot Shot.